Welcome to In the Pines, a monthly podcast covering the mysterious, weird, and sometimes unbelievable stories that happen in the place where people love to find solace, the great outdoors. My name is Pox Holland. And I am Nikki, and hello and welcome, friends. Hello. Hello. Indeed. <laughs> I'm trying to use like a calm and soothing voice because my story is anything but calm and soothing today. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we go to your story, um, there's an addendum to last month's story. I don't even. What did we even oh. cover last month? I totally forget. Pirates. <laughs> Pirates. <laughs> Pirates. Yes. Yes. <laughs> The one thing that I've realized does not fit anything that we normally do. I don't care. Um, it was fun. <laughs> I left out like one big part. Okay. I left out the ta-da at the end. Okay. What was the ta-da? That I'm related to Roger Michael. What? <laughs> the pirate. Yeah. <laughs> Holy smokes. Yeah. Yeah. Through 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 marriage, um, I don't believe there's any blood mm-hmm. line to my family. My wife did the uh spit in a tube and sent it off to the mormons yeah and let them analyze <laughs> your um to the mormons i think that's who owns ancestry really um i could be wrong allegedly but from what i understand there's a story and this could be something that someone could look up sometime but i believe that the mormon church has some of the most extensive records i have heard that that they have some of, of the most extensive yeah, records of like their own personal ancestry within the church and genealogy yeah. in general yeah, yeah i have heard that before and so, um, so, so I was told one time that, it, and it could be one of those or none of them. I don't know mm-hmm. that that one of those spit in the tube, give them your DNA things, is somehow related to uh, to the Mormon Church. Interesting. Church Latter Day Saints. I again, do your own research. <laughs> I could be wrong, but um, but anyway, so she did one of those things, and um, and with that, we got a free year, I think, of ancestry. That's cool. Something yeah. like that. It was like some kind of deal of some kind so uh i did a rapid fire of uh, our family tree Mm -hmm. and i i i could keep going back to uh accomac county and um so that was going to be one of the things we were going to talk about at the end but it was so long um that i just completely forgot about it but that that was one of the things is that uh Yes, unfortunately, some of my family was around in 1620 uh, in Accomack County. But they were came pirates. came from England. They were pirates. <laughs> well, not at first. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, when I got back to, I think, it, I think at that point in time, that is either my 11th, 12th, or 13th great-grandfather, mm-hmm. something at that point in time. And so there's a fork off to the side, and you know, and, and and I don't know if anybody knows anything about ancestry.com, but you've probably seen the web, the 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 commercials where it's like, oh, I found a leaf, and that meant it was a new thing, yeah. and that's how I found my this thing about my grandfather. Well, that's kind of how it goes. And then like the the further you get back into time, usually the less likely you are to find those leaves. Yeah. And so there were some that kind of led off to the side, and it's like, well, okay, I'll look at these, I'll look at these. And then when it came to Roger Michael, there was like this specific page Mm -hmm. with the um, crest of Roger Michael or the Michael. And it's like Mekhel, M-I-K-E-H-E-A-E-L-E, you know, one of those kind of things. Um, And then there were like all these citations from books inside of it. 
and I don't belong to Ancestry.com anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I couldn't go back and find those. And the books that I did find were um, not the same thing, but it was mainly the, that book about the, the Pirates of the Chesapeake. But yeah, no. Um, so down, down the road uh, by marriage did marry one of my blood relatives, but I don't believe they had a child or anything gotcha. like that. It's not related to me, but, um, but yeah, so that was, um, something I left out. And after it was all said and done, as I was editing, I was like, uh, and I was like, do I throw an addendum here at the end? And it's just me talking. And it was like, no, no, it's, it, it's fine on its own. So if you haven't listened to the pirate thing, now you can go back and listen to it and know that, Hey, I'm related. I was related to one of the one of the main characters of a of an episode. That was also the episode where the further and further we got into it, the more and more delusional we got, because it was right, so yeah. late when we recorded. So, because <laughs> I'm pretty That's sure by true. the end of it, we were both just like, "What time is it? Who am I? What year is it?" Yeah, I don't blame you. So yeah. So uh, anyway, another 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 tangent there on, on my part. But uh, so I probably should get going yes. on on this. Um, and I will since, say uh, I will chime in and all that good stuff since I am very very familiar with that area. So okay. <laughs> and right. it's not um, a, you don't know what you're talking about. It's just a, I can't help myself because I know it so well. <laughs> and you know, as a reminder, there is another level to this. Yeah. Because um, uh. You, you, I took, I, I've been studying for the GRE <laughs> and the GRE has taken most of my time. Yes. And, uh, and, and some of you who know my history, be going, you're taking the GRE, but you have a master's box, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to be trying to take the other step maybe. Um, and, uh, so yeah, so the, so, so in other words, so we had an agreement that, um, AI was going to write my, <laughs> I was going to use AI as much as possible. Uh, one, because I, you know, just because I didn't have a lot of time yeah. and two, because we thought it'd be funny to see what it says. Yeah. This is going to be interesting to say the least. Um, it does repeat itself several times oh <laughs> and, and people who are used to, this was just used in just regular chat GPT dot IO. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, I've used it a little bit, so I'm familiar with some of it, but for those of you who've used it before, you'll, you'll recognize the, uh, some things. So, uh, all right. So here we go. Sure. Here are some interesting facts about Pocahontas (laughs) County, West Virginia. (laughs) Start out strong. (laughs) Uh Pocahontas County was formed in 1821 from parts of Bath, Pendleton and Randolph counties. The county is named after Pocahontas, the famous Native American princess who played a significant role in the history of Jamestown Colony in Virginia. Uh, Pocahontas County is located in the eastern part of West Virginia, and it borders Virginia to the south and west. It has a total area of 942 square miles, making it the eighth largest county in West Virginia by land area. Correction. Before the... Yes. It is actually the second large... Either first or second. I think it's second largest county in the state. By land area. By land area. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was just making sure. Yes. By land area. <laughs> I was going to say, because that's, that's a lot. That's, that's a huge ass area yeah. to, yeah. Yeah, to be Definitely the Definitely not by population, though. <laughs> right. Um, before the county was founded, the area that is now Pocahontas County was sparsely populated by hunters and trappers. In the late 17 and 1800s, farmers began, this, farmers began to settle in the area. 
And by the time the county was founded in 1821, there were several small settlements scattered throughout the county. After Pocahontas County was founded, the county seat was established in Huntersville, which was the largest settlement in the county at the time. However, in 1891, the county seat was moved to Marlinton, which remains the county seat to this day. Mm-hmm. And then it went on to tell me that Marlintown is the county seat of Pocahontas County and is also the largest town in the county. Uh, <laughs> right. I think it, it might just actually said be that. the largest one. It just said it was in uh, this, the paragraph before. <laughs> <laughs> Pocahontas County is known for its scenic beauty, a lot, including the Allegheny Mountains, which run through the county, and the Greenbrier River, which is a popular destination destination for fishing, kayaking, and tubing. Um, I, I now here's one that I know. Snowshoe Mountain Resort located is located in Pocahontas County is one of the largest ski resorts in the eastern United States. Um, that was Wait, always so you know, the one. You know about it? Yeah, um, they that was always the one. Like, I remember just showing my age. There would be like, I remember the, like the 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 rock station in town in Raleigh. They would have uh-huh. like the Rock and Roll Snowshoe Express. And it pretty oh, much made okay. it sound to me like what they would do is they'd get a bus and let you drink on the way up to Snowshoe. They'd like Probably. leave Thursday <laughs> night, get up there Friday. Yeah. You'd have Friday to ski and settle in and Sunday and then leave Sunday. And they would do that like once a year. But um, I believe that I might have skied at Snowshoe as a child with oh, the cool. Boy Scouts. Yeah. Um, A lot of the things that we did with the Boy Scouts as a child were uh, this guy has a friend who has a friend who has a cabin in this place. And so I think that was one of the places where we could stay for free one night and ski and uh, basically just it was pretty much just a a sheet of ice while we were there. So like much like much East Coast skiing. Yeah. Hey, quick addendum to what I said about Pocahontas being second largest. So. It goes Randolph County to its north is the largest. Greenbar County mm-hmm. is the second mm-hmm. largest. And Pocahontas County is the third largest in the state. Wow. Yeah. So and to fix I that. was before all this, uh, before we were talking, when I saw the green Greenbrier, um, I was like, oh, yeah, like the John Prine song, Paradise. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that's the Green <laughs> River. And yeah. it's all about Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. <It's> like, huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, uh, started doing the, the words in my head. And I'm like, hold on. I got to Google this. And it was like, You're nope, like, this is the Green River. Green yeah. River. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, 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 I say this more often than anybody ever gets it. But I do often say, well, Mr. Peabody's call train done hauled it away. <laughs> Um, and, uh, nobody ever gets that because it's a rare, weird John Prine song. <laughs> anyway, like all the John Prine songs, True. um, the Cass scenic railroad state park, which operates mm-hmm. a historic steam driven logging train is also located in Pocahontas County. I'll be going there here in a few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> On the train? Uh, just to go up and visit that area. Cause oh, okay. train tickets are literally for the shortest trip. Like what is it? Oh gosh. Sixty-two dollars a person. 
It ain't oh, cheap. Oh, so it's probably like the train in Bryson City that yeah. takes you out around the Nantahala River. Yeah, it's the lake. It's similar to that. that. It's gorgeous, gorgeous ride. I highly suggest doing it in the fall if you can. It books up quick, but it is not cheap. <laughs> well, here's where I asked um, Chat GPT what the main industry of Hogan's County is, and I had a feeling I would know what it was. It was going to be one of two things. Um, it's West Virginia. It's going to be one of two things. And it wasn't coal. No. Um, the main industry in Pocahontas County, West Virginia, is tourism. The county is known for its scenic beauty, outdoor recreation opportunities, and, and historic sites, mm -hmm. which attract visitors throughout the year. The county is home to the Snowshoe Mountain Resort, which offers skiing, snowboarding, and other winter sports, as well as mountain biking, golf, and other activities in the summer months. Mm -hmm. The county is also home to the Cass Scenic Railroad. Um, oh, excuse me. I meant to say, I meant to say that. The county is also home to the Mongahela National Forest, which offers hiking, camping, fishing, and other outdoor activities. Monongahela. Oh, did I not say that correctly? Because I, I know how to say that. I just I said okay. it incorrectly. I apologize. I just figured it was a typo about chat GP. <laughs> yeah, Monongahela. It's just my, 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 it's just my, my North Carolina my North accent. North Carolina accent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, <laughs> like molasses. <laughs> <laughs> no no like you, you know what's funny is you know who has like the most north carolina accent and is not from north carolina who? is uh john edward oh the, yeah the, edwards the, the guy who ran for yeah, vice president yeah, yeah. yeah the politician um he had the most um there was a in raleigh there's the belt line that goes around raleigh mm -hmm. And there literally was an accent that was inside the belt line. Was, and and uh, he had an inside the belt line uh, accent, but he was from South Carolina. I don't know. Hmm. It was a weird one. But, uh, yeah, it was a completely different accent that is completely gone now. Yeah, of course. Um, but anyway, wish I had recorded it early on. Someone with that accent. Um, but it was, it's very fancy. Fancy. <laughs> I also asked ChatGP to tell me about Pocahontas, and boy, it gave me a lot of information about Pocahontas. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and it's more than I really want to go into, but uh, but I didn't know that, like, I didn't know how she died. Oh, did you and, not? Um, what's that? I said you didn't. No, I, I, well, I just knew that she, well, all that it says here is that, that you know, once she, after she married, what's his name? Yeah. But whoever she married, like, they got on a boat to sail back to from England back to the mainland North America mm -hmm. and she died on the way. Yeah. She died of like, was it like some type of influenza or something? I think. Oh, is that what yeah, it was? I think okay. that's what it was. She, yeah. Cause she was taken at 13 by the way to England by her husband. Um, yeah, I use that term loosely. Um, and then yeah, on the way back from England to, mainland north america she died on the ship i believe of influenza is what it was uh, okay yeah it just said that she died suddenly <laughs> or something like that and i was like oh okay you're like what the hell oh, yeah. yeah yeah okay so let's see i think the other big thing to know about this area is that it is home to the national radio astronomy Ob observatory mm -hmm which operates the green bank telescope the largest fully steerable radio telescope in the world um, it literally goes on to say that a second time in this paragraph. Of course it does. So, <laughs> yeah. So that, so that, that, that's, that's chat GPD for that. Let's see. Um, and the last thing it wanted us to know 
is that Pocahontas County is known for its scenic beauty, including the Allegheny Mountains and the Greenbrier River. <laughs> it is also a popular destination for outdoor recreation, including skiing, hiking, fishing, and hunting. Ta-da! Yep, 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 yep. And 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 the best part was I did cut out like quite a bit of stuff in there that was mm-hmm. that did did not make sense at all. At one point in time, it referred to the West Virginia Encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. And when I asked for its source, it was Wikipedia. <laughs> it, it was the Wikipedia entry for West Virginia. Of course. Of course it was. But it was called the, the West Virginia Encyclopedia. Of course. The, well, no, there is, a, there is a West Virginia Encyclopedia. I'm sure there oh, is. Yeah. But I have it's the hard, like in my, on my bookshelf, like I'm looking at it right now, I have the hardback version of it. And it's like an well, online version. I'm sure. Yeah. But it did not use that as nope. a source. <laughs> or it just went to Wikipedia. Yeah. Um, on a side note, did you see that story the other day about a guy who, um, were, this, someone was looking up uh, something about, like, let's say, sexual assaults on campus by faculty members or something like that? And someone was using ChatGPT to research that. Yeah. And ChatGPT pulled an author's name from an article who happened to be a college professor uh-huh. since he wrote the story and his name was in there a couple of times, maybe even with like a couple of other stories mm-hmm. that it was pulling from. It said that he was the one who had committed a sexual assault <gasps> on a student oh, no. because he was a professor and his name was mentioned a bunch of times in the article. It then said that he was. And so this person had to look it up and was like, you know, they're like, I'll use ChatGPT, but then I go in and I'll yeah. start to do my own research, just kind of to pull these names. And then the next day, he did a, the exact same search on Bing's new one, which is, you know, going to be Microsoft's version yeah. of ChatGPT. And then Google has Bard, which is theirs. Yeah. Um, it pulled up on all of those, too, the exact same thing. Ooh. And it's just like, oh. No so, like, this guy had to come out and be like, whoa, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Please read the article. Like, so this is, like, the date. Like, so that's what they're saying is that not only are, is, are we going to get weird information like that, but it's also going to just simply overpower our um, search engines because it's just going to use Google and Bing and everything else that we all all use anyway. Yeah. And it's just gonna just gonna start disrupting our internet searches because it's gonna bring up weird things that Chat GPT is, that is <laughs> that Chat AI is yikes. doing. Um, anyway, so real quick, I wanted to kind of talk about a couple things on Pocahontas County because here's the thing: this story sucks. It sucks. <laughs> it sucks. It's deep. It's dark. Um, I will tell you this before I even go into it and tell our listener this. We're going to be talking about, you know, it's not our just usual, like, weird, unusual thing that happens in the outdoors. No, we're going to be talking about a double homicide. So, yeah. (laughs) So it's going to be a little bit of a downer. So I want to, and especially considering how all this unfolded after it happened and just, it's, it's a roller coaster ride. I really don't want people to be like, oh, well, the people in Pocahontas County, they're nothing but no goods and blah, 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 and this and that. Because it, one, that's not the case. Like, it's with any region you go to, any area you go to, you know, the people are not one bad incident in it. That's not to say there's not some shitty people in that area. There definitely (laughs) is. Trust me. 
Um, and I'll kind of talk about that a little bit. But the area itself is gorgeous. It is a huge tourism destination. Um, when you go to the different tourism places within the county itself, like everyone is super friendly, super nice. And, you know, there's some really good people there. So I just kind of wanted to right. touch a bit on some of the really nice recreational and outdoor type things that are there real quick that weren't covered in chat GPT. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, what was the first thing? So, like I said, it's the third largest county in our state. Um, it's got a mean altitude of 3,219 feet. Um, and it's the sixth highest county east of the Mississippi River. And the highest county in this region outside of western North Carolina. Um, hey. And then the highest point in it is Thorny Flat, which is on Cheat Mountain in the northwestern part of the county. And it's got an elevation of 4,848 feet. Um, the highest spot in the state of West Virginia is Spruce Knob. And it's about, I want to say about 100 feet taller than that. So, I mean, pretty high county overall. Um, the biggest and one of the coolest things about Pocahontas County is that it's considered the birthplace of rivers in the state of West Virginia. Um, because it is the headwaters for eight different rivers, and it's the Cherry, Cranberry, Elk, Gauley, Greenbrier, Tigert, uh, oh, excuse me, Tigert Valley River, uh, Williams River, and Shaver's Fork of the Cheat River. Um, so there's, like, a lot of water that comes, you know, flows through the state that comes out of Pocahontas County, which is really, really neat. Um, especially, like, when you talk about the Gauley River, because... The New and the Gauley Rivers in the state of West Virginia are huge commercial whitewater rafting oh, yeah. rivers. So that's pretty awesome. As far as like, the, of course, the Monongahela National Forest is up there. It's beautiful. It's one of the, you know, well, it is the largest forested or federally, federally protected forest area in the state of West Virginia. Um, and it takes off. It's, it covers a huge chunk of the state. Um, and then also there are tons of great state parks and state forests up there. Um, there's Seneca State Forest, Cumbero State Forest. Um, the state parks are Beartown State Park, which is really cool. It's a boardwalk through these like rock formations that have like all these big holes and like cavern type things in them and it's nice. just super cool um there is oh shoot what is the one that's just past that um tag on there's one that's right down near the Greenbrier river just outside of hillsboro and i can't remember the name of it i'll remember it later um there is Droop Mountain Battlefield State Park, which we will actually talk about here in a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. And then probably the biggest and best thing that's up there, and this is just me being biased because it's my happy place and I love going to it, is um, Cranberry Glades Natural Wilderness or National Wild Wilderness Area. Um, and it's this giant section of the Monongahela National Forest. It's a cranberry bog. And it's the, one of the, if not the southernmost cranberry bog in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a part, because of, long story short, part of the Ice Age, when all the glaciers and stuff moved down and whatnot. 
form the mountains, especially here along the Appalachians and the Alleghenies. Yeah. Um, it was, it's just kind of like an isolated little section of the, those mountain ranges that can actually hold that ecosystem. So it's really, hmm. really cool. Um, hmm. But there's like a, a proper boardwalk, but there's tons of like hiking trails and, I mean, it's just, it's gorgeous area. Man. So, um, but yeah, so that's my little, please don't think bad at Pocahontas County because it's a beautiful area. <laughs> so it's a lot of front loading to this story. So it must be horrible. There is. There, I, I'm not going to lie. It's, it is, it's rough to get through this. Um, so it's going to be fun. <laughs> we've, we've waxed poetic or you've let me wax poetic on Pocahontas County mm -hmm. and all that good stuff. And thank you for that. Um, chat GPT kind of provided us a background on it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so now I am going to tell you and our listeners about a pretty crazy, insane, weird, twisty, turny case that really to this day doesn't have a definitive entity. If you ask me, um, and that is the case of the Rainbow Murders in Pocahontas County, West Virginia. So, buckle up, because it's a hell of a ride. <laughs> it's all I gotta say. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, and I want to kind of preface this with, yes, I'm going to be talking about a double homicide. Um, yes, this is a very heavy topic. Um, if we laugh at any point, it is only out of uncomfortableness uh, things mm -hmm. of that nature. We are in no shape or form making fun of the victims of this uh, crime, anything along those lines. No. So please, listener, do not think that is the case. Um, on that, uh, my wife and I had to do a lot of traveling yesterday. Uh -huh. So we were, in the, we were in the car for quite a while and we listened to a bunch of episodes of Fly on the Wall, which is the podcast about um, Saturday Night Live with David Spade mm -hmm. and Dana Carvey. And it's, it's, it's pretty good. And so I found a few episodes that I thought that she would like. And uh, one of them was Mike Myers. Mm -hmm. And he's a very big uh, World War II buff. Mm -hmm. And he, uh, both of his parents were in World War II. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, his mother was um, like a manufacturer, mine sweeper, like all kinds of things like that. And her father did all these other things. His father did it. But anyway, they wound up, um, they were talking about how British soldiers, um, they found it unnerving. Americans found it unnerving because British soldiers laughed in whenever like there were horrible things happening when they were being shelled, yeah. they were be like running and laughing yeah. and that's how they dealt with yeah. it. And I've always kind of been that way that like, yeah, it's like you have to like, you know, okay, we survived that one. Holy yeah. shit. You know? And uh, so, yeah, I'm not, not equating the same things, no. but, um, but, but it, it's one of this, it's just how people deal with, with like, it's it's unsettling. It it's un and and so so yeah. So sometimes it's easier to make a joke. You know, like you know, you asked me a question earlier, and I gave you a glib answer, and it's like, no, nah, that's the only way I can deal with yeah. it. Is I have to laugh yeah. at it. No, totally. <laughs> I mean, same way. Like with like traumatic events that have happened in my life, like I seriously lean on humor to cope with like after the fact. That's for sure. Like yeah. So that's that's yeah. how i cope um and if you hear me laugh like i said it's out of uncomfortableness is all it is so yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so 
as I get settled in. I keep... When Vicki Durian and Nancy Santamero left Iowa City, Iowa in mid-June of 1980, headed to a remote part of Webster County in the Monongahela National Forest in West Virginia, they were looking to experience the love and unity that the Rainbow Gathering had to offer. Instead, the two women would meet an untimely fate in Pocahontas County, West Virginia, which would leave more questions than answers in the years since. So. To s- the Rainbow Gathering. The Rainbow Gathering. So to start off, uh, we're going to talk about yeah. the Rainbow Gathering, okay? Uh, yeah, be a please do. Okay. Have you heard of the Rainbow <laughs> Gathering before? I'm pretty sure I have, but I'd like to hear the rest of this. All right. So, (laughs) the Rainbow Family of Living Light, also known as the Rainbow Family, is a counterculture that has existed since 1970. Um, It is a loose loose affiliation of individuals, some of whom are nomadic, and they generally assert that there is no leader of their group. Um, They put on yearly primitive camping events on public land known as Rainbow Gatherings. Now, before I go more into it, I do know because, I mean, I have a lot of, I guess you would call them like hippy dippy friends and whatnot. I do have a lot of friends um, that are kind of hippy dippy and this and that. And I have a few friends whose their parents or grandparents even um, met or, you know, became friends with other friends in their circle group through some of these rainbow gatherings. So... Um, so can I tell you a quick rainbow gathering story? Yeah, please do. Before I go on into more uh, about them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I um, I, when I hiked the Appalachian Trail, uh-huh. um, on how I got home was a taxi ride to a bus station in Maine, okay. and then from that bus station to another to then to Bangor, Maine, okay. and then another bus, another bus, another bus. We wind up in New York City at midnight. And we have like several hours before it's time to go back to the bus. And so we're like, well, let's just walk around. And so we still had our big backpacks with us and we had sent a lot of stuff home. But we also were both, uh, my my friend and I who I hiked with, we were both, I was over like 50 or 60 pounds lighter than I was when I left. And so I had been sent by my family at, in in Maine um, clothes that fit me whenever I left and so everything was hanging off of me I had this big backpack um, I'm emaciated I've been you know this big beard I've been on the hiking for the trail for six months or five months Mm -hmm. or whatever and um, as we were walking out of um, oh god what is the fame uh, 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 Port Authority Uh as we're walking out of the Port Authority bus station terminal um this guy standing at the door, he's like, hey, man. I'm like, hey. And he's like, where's the gathering this year? Well, there is this also this thing called the Alda Gathering okay. that happens. That's the Appalachian Long Distance Hiking Association uh-huh. and or the American Long Distance. And, um, and uh, they have a gathering. So I stood there and talked to this guy who I realized was just asking me for money uh, in the end or realized or he thought he had encountered another homeless person. And um, I realized, oh, and from then on, 
I looked into what the gathering was and the rainbow yeah. gathering. So I, I know a little bit, but please, I don't know enough about yeah. that. So I had to make it about me. <laughs> it's all about me. Uh, just yep. kidding. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so like I said, I do have some friends and their parents or, or grandparents or both have met at like rainbow gatherings. They've been a part of rainbow gatherings, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so there is that connection that I've, kind of got a little bit with it i guess vicariously anyways (laughs) so the rainbow family was created out of the vortex one gathering um that was held at milo mciver state park in estacada oregon which is about 30 miles south of portland oregon and held from august 28th to september 3rd 1970 um it was inspired mainly by the first woodstock festival because we know peace love woodstock all that um Mm -hmm. and Barry Plunker Adams and Garrick Beck are both considered among the founders of the Rainbow family. Um, Adams emerged from the height Asbury scene in San Francisco and is the author of uh, Where Have All the Flower Children Gone? Beck is the son of Julian Beck, who is the founder of The Living Theater, which is known for their production of Paradise Now. I'm, I don't know if you've heard of that before. I've actually heard of Paradise Now, so... I've heard yeah, of it. A yeah, a little bit somewhere. Um, Rainbow gatherings are temporary, loosely knit communities of people who congregate in remote forests around the world um, for one or more weeks at a time with the stated intention of living a shared ideology of peace, harmony, freedom, and respect. Um, for the initial gathering held in, so there was that kind of like formation of it in 1970, but the initial yeah. like this is what this is and what we're calling it. Um, It was held in 1972 in Colorado um, and the rainbow family tribe, which I want to start out by saying they're, I love their thought of peace, love, unity, all that. Don't get me wrong, Mm -hmm. but, and we'll go, we're kind of going to jump around and probably around the end of the story. I'll kind of touch back on this, but There are some very, very problematic behaviors of the Rainbow family and their rainbow Mm -hmm. gatherings. So considering the fact that they call themselves, um, where was that? The Rainbow family tribe, there's problematic thing Mm. number one, if you ask me. (laughs) (laughs) So for that initial gathering, which was held in 1972 in Colorado, The Rainbow Family Tribe referred to themselves as brothers and sisters, children of God, families of life on earth, families of nature and of all people, and children of humankind. Um, They invited all races, nations, genders, and backgrounds to attend the gathering in hopes that there could be peace among all the people and they could be a, uh, a shining example of world peace. Um, The goal of the Rainbow Gathering is to create what they believe to be a more satisfying culture. And in their ideal culture, it is free from consumer... God, I'm going to get tongue-tied. In their ideal culture, it is free from consumerism, capitalism, and mass media. And it is one that is, quote-unquote, non-hierarchical. And again, like I said, they want to kind of be an example of world peace and unity and blah, blah. Um, unfortunately, though, the Rainbow Gathering isn't all love and light um, because there have been issues not only amongst the gathering itself and the, from people within the gathering, but between the gathering and the U.S. Forest Service, 
as well as local Native American tribes because of the use of the land. But we're going to call that... This is sounding familiar. Yeah, but we're going to cover all that, like I said, here after a while. So <sighs> so now we get into the, the tough part of this story. <laughs> so <laughs> Nancy Santamero was a tomboy type who was known for her bright personality and the fact that she loved to laugh a lot. Um, she was from Huntington, New York, and spent all her time, like all her spare time, in the outdoors. Um, she was described as not materialistic and was a budding environmentalist. After graduating high school in 1979, Nancy attended college at the Southern University of New York, SUNY. I had to look up what SUNY stood for because I was like, I don't know what that stands for. <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen it all over. But I was like, I'm not positive what that stands for. So, but anyway, yep. she yep. attended SUNY in Buffalo, but ended up only staying for one semester. Nancy, who was 19, would then move to Arizona with a friend where would she would start to work different odd jobs. Um, while in Tucson, Arizona, she met Vicki Durian, 26, um, and they soon became friends. Vicki was a nurse who also had a very caring personality and a beautiful smile. So soon after meeting, uh, I keep saying, um, I'm going to kick myself in the butt. <laughs> soon after meeting, Nancy and Vicky decided they wanted to travel the country in a hitchhiking adventure where they wanted to end at the annual rainbow gathering that would be held in the Monongahela National Forest in a remote part of Webster County in West Virginia. Uh, they made several stops on their journey, including one in Iowa where a friend of Vicky's whose name is Liz Jondro, would meet up with them and travel along with them. And the three women made stops in Louisville, Kentucky, Sullivan's Island, South Carolina, where they talk about in one article I read um, that they spent a good a couple of days in Sullivan's Island, you know, just enjoying the sand and the sun and the surf and all that, mm. in Richmond, Virginia. And it was the stop at Richmond where Liz would end up leaving Vicky and Nancy because she had to travel back home to attend her father's wedding. So Vicky and Nancy would then head on towards the rainbow gathering where the two women were going to meet up with Nancy's older sister, Kathy. Um, so they could enjoy a time of unity and happiness. The two women, however, would not make it to their final destination. Unfortunately, I gotta get a drink. What year is this? Is this 2005? No, 1980. <laughs> 1980? Uh, well, I was looking at, uh, well, I, I got, <coughs> I, I got distracted because I remembered, uh, like, um, while you were talking, I did Google mm -hmm. Rainbow because I was like, something is reminding me of something. And one of the things that popped up was, um, the use of the national forest land and i was like okay what is yeah. that and i remember in 2012 they had one in nanahala yeah oh um, yeah they had yeah, yeah so i remember that being i remember there being like a, a, a some kind of thing because i mean we were we were living up here then yeah and so uh i remember just like yeah there being some kind of thing about them coming through and then i and so, unfortunately, I was reading that list when no, you were talking. And so, um, so when, but so they had another meeting there in, in West Virginia in, two, in, 20, yeah. in 2005. Yeah. So that's, that's why I asked. I was like, did they, it's, it's like, y'all are, are going to return to the yeah. scene? No. And well, and we can talk about it here or we can 
put that in here too. Uh, no, no, we can, we, can, we can go back out there. Yeah, sorry, I, I just didn't, well, want to, no, I didn't want to go ahead and be like, I'm talking about 2005. Fox is looking at these. No, things. no, no, no. <laughs> so going into the 2005 one, I don't know if you want to keep this in here now or we can bring it back up later, but there were a lot, a lot of, because I remember that distinctly when they were coming, because they were going to be in Pocahontas County that time. They were supposed to be in Web, yeah. well, they were in Webster County and the, one we're talking about in 1980 but for the 2005 gathering they were going to be in pocahontas county and there was like a big hubbub around it it was not like there were so many issues so many issues gotcha. and i can well, specifically just, remember that one that's cool well, I'm, now that i've figured out what the issue is i am going to stop looking at the internet well once we get back, back to and... when i go back into talking about um like the rainbow gathering after I get through the actual story of what happened, remind me and I'll talk a little bit about the 2005 stuff and all that. So on June 25th, 1980, around 9 PM, Robert must, who was a recent college graduate was driving to his cabin, which was located on the perimeter of Droop mountain battlefield state park in Pocahontas County, West Virginia. When he noticed two people lying in an open but remote field on what is called Briary Knob. So at first, Robert thought it was a man and a woman who possibly had, quote, intimate relations. <laughs> um, and he knew that people had kind of been coming and going and camping in the area, uh, especially at Droop Mountain Battlefield State Park, because they have a pretty decent sized campground. Um due to the rainbow gathering that was being held just north and figured it was, you know, individuals that were headed up there. So he started to drive up a little closer and upon closer inspection, Robert soon realized that what he was actually seeing was two females laying parable parallel to each other, a few feet apart and not moving at all. So Robert immediately, he had gotten out of his truck or his car. He immediately jumped back in his car drove to a neighbor's house and called the police. Um, when police arrived on scene, no one had any clue whatsoever who the two women were. Neither of them had IDs on them. Um, but what they did discover is that the two women had been shot at close range with Vicky. By the way, you know, we found out it was the, our two travelers. Um, but yeah. Vicky had been shot twice in the chest and Nancy had been shot three times. Uh, twice in the chest and once in the head. Um, the exit wounds from the shots, though, indicated that the women had been shot somewhere else and their bodies had been disposed of where they were found at. Um, so initial investigation was done, statements taken, things of that nature. Kind of didn't really have any leads. Uh, then a week after the discovery of the two bodies in Pocahontas County, Nancy's sister... Kathy arrived at the Rainbow Gathering in Webster County because remember she was going to meet with her, right? Right. Um, and so the Rainbow Gathering was actually 20 miles away. The Webster County one um, was 20 miles away from the actual crime scene is what's so crazy. Um, Kathy was to meet the two women at a white van at the gathering that was owned by friends of Nancy's. And when Kathy arrived and asked the owners of the van if they had seen Nancy and Vicky yet, they stated they hadn't. Uh, Kathy was not worried, though, because she thought, you know, and it's this is a quote from like a news article I read. She said, quote, Nancy had probably found something different to do along her way, end quote. Halfway through the gathering, though, a rumor began to go around that two, ugh, 
Indian girls, quote unquote, had been found dead mm-hmm. in nearby Pocahontas County. And Kathy paused at the thought, and she remembered that her sister liked to wear two braids in her hair, but quickly dismissed the idea. Um, so Kathy continued on at the remainder of the gathering, and once it was completed, you know, she left for home and headed back home. So a few days after returning home, a friend who had went with Kathy to the gathering was reading a paper um, he had gotten in Pocahontas County when they were like traveling through and saw the story of the two unknown women who had been found deceased just outside of Droop Mountain State Park. Uh, he showed Kathy the story and she soon sent some uneasiness because she thought, well, this is kind of strange, you know, two women. I know my sister was traveling with her friend. They never showed up. That's awful close, yeah. you know, things of that nature. Um, so Kathy ended up borrowing a car and some money without telling her parents and headed back to Pocahontas County in West Virginia. And I'm assuming that she probably contacted police there because when Kathy actually arrived at the local police department to see if she could identify one of the bodies as Nancy's, the law enforcement, you know, they kind of shielded her from a small group of reporters that had gathered, um, and escorted her into the building. So just to kind of help her keep her anonymity. Um, so after first looking at the images of the faces of the two women, she didn't recognize Nancy as either one of them. But remember, we found out that Nancy had a gunshot wound to the head. Uh, then she saw on the wrist of one of the victim that there were different bracelets. And when she looked at them closely, um, she knew that they were her sister's. Um, so after mm. confirming the identification of her sister, Kathy then headed back home to tell her parents in person what had happened to Nancy. Um, and Kathy left Pocahontas County, of course, trusting that law enforcement had everything covered and that an answer mm. and arrest would soon be coming. Um, but this was definitely not the case in this. Like I said, no real leads in this case. It was kind of like weird. And, you know, they didn't have any witness to it actually happening they knew after and the reason they knew about it happening somewhere else instead of where the bodies were found is because um so the nancy and vicky's bodies were initially they did an initial autopsy at pocahontas memorial hospital which is in marlinton mm-hmm. but of course from there it, it was sent on to the state um lab in charleston where they did a formal autopsy of both bodies um and when they looked at the gunshot wounds there was pulling pulling around the entrance and entrances to the wounds but none at the exit of the wounds and so that's how they could tell that there was you know that it was done somewhere else and then the bodies were dumped there oh okay like i said no real leads we don't know what's happening Family hasn't gotten any word of what's happening, so on and so forth. So a few months went by with no further word from law enforcement. And it was the close to the end of deer hunting season, um, which, by the way, is a huge deal in West Virginia, in case you didn't know. Um, And two two (laughs) hunters found the backpacks of Nancy and Vicky. Um, And in them were clothing, sleeping bags, a tent, a camera, Nancy's journal, where she kind of detailed out their road trip that they'd done their hitchhiking trip um and not really anything unusual however amongst the two backpacks not in them but amongst them they also found a confederate flag 
So, huh. <laughs> for two years following the finding of the backpacks, any leads that law enforcement had, they went like dead cold. So they found the backpacks, and then guess what? It all goes cold again. Uh, then one day in August of 1982, Vicky's father, Howard Durian, received a call from a man stating that he was sorry that Vicky's killer had never been found and that the police in Pocahontas County weren't doing a good job of investigating it. Um, as soon as the man hung up, Vicky's father contacted local law enforcement, so where he was at in Iowa, and they proceeded to set up a wiretap on his phone in case this person would call back. Well, guess what? He did call back, of course. Mm-hmm. And so when they he did call back and they were able to trace it, they were able to trace that phone call to a residence in Pocahontas County, West Virginia. Hmm. Yeah. So when police in Pocahontas County came to the residence of Jacob Beard, which, spoiler alert, that's where the call originated from, um, <laughs> he, he initially denied making the call, but then soon admitted to it. Um, Beard claimed to have made the call because he genuinely felt sorry for, you know, Vicky's family, and then he felt bad that the killer had not been found and just wanted the case to be seen through to the end. Um, after talking with police for a while, though, he offered, he decided he was going to start offering information for immunity in the case. So, Beard stated that in September of 1980, Palmer Buddy Atkinson and Arnold Cutlip showed up to his farm with a dead body and put it in his wood chipper. Beard claimed that this body was a, quote, third rainbow girl, end quote. Um, and then Cutlip was arrested for the murder and Adgudson would have been arrested, but he was already in jail for a separate murder charge. What? Yeah. Um, however, before the case could even make it to a grand jury for an indictment... The charges against both men were dismissed. Why would it? Yeah, I don't know. Buckle up your seatbelt because now we start the roller coaster ride. Okay. (laughs) Like it's been kind of like we're reporting on this sad and tragic situation, blah, blah, blah. Now we start a holy shit, what the fuck is going on roller coaster ride that would be okay. So, okay. um, After these charges against. Atkinson and Cutlip were dismissed. Um, more stories started swirling around Pocahontas County, but nothing really was tangible and led anywhere. All those stories that kind of like kept swirling around after you know the arrests and then charges drop and all that. So all those s- stories, they always, they I mean they led to nowhere. There was like nothing to any of them. But there was always, like, one common denominator in it, and it was the storyteller of those stories, which was Mr. Beard. Um, right. So, as for the night of the murder itself, uh, Beard claimed that he had an alibi. He said that he left his job, which was down in Greenbar County, um, at around, like, 5.15 p.m. Down by the Green River where Paradise lay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Actually, it was at Greenbrier Tractor Sales is where he worked. Um, <laughs> but he left there around 5.15 p.m. And he had a handwritten time card that indicated such. Um, and he said that 
before that, he was on a service call with a customer, um, but Beard couldn't remember who the customer was, and so that customer was never identified. And then he says, like, once he went home, he ate a sandwich, and he went with his wife to a school board meeting that started around 7, but witnesses didn't place him being at the meeting until about 8 p.m., um, and then after he left the school board meeting, he then went home with his mistress. So, yes, he, he had hmm. a mistress. Okay. <laughs> and here's the thing. Like, his mistress, her name has, I hate to say, like, mistress, but, like, the woman he was having an affair with. Right. Her name is listed throughout. There is one article, by the way, that I strongly, strongly relied on for everything I'm covering in regards to this. Um, and it is from the Long Island Press out of Long Island, New York. Um, it was an article dated March 12th, 2003. Um, and the article is called Long Island's Lost Girls, Three Decades Through Their Three Journeys, Three Girls Who Never Came Home, Part One, Broken Rainbow. Um, and it was written by a certain someone called Bill Jensen. Do we know who Billy Jensen is? No. So he's big into like true crime. If you've heard of the Golden State Killer case, he was was big into covering that. He worked closely with Michelle McNamara, who wrote I'll Be Gone in the Dark, was friends with her, so on and so forth. He's kind of become disgraced in within the past year because of some sexual assault allegations. But it is a very good. Meanwhile, you would expect it to be the guy named Paul Holes would be the one committing. uh, Actually, Paul Holes seems like he's think Paul Holes. Yeah, I know, but I mean, just I mean, if we're yeah. just going on names alone, Paul Holes definitely yeah. belongs. You know what's funny is um, when you were but when you were explaining a lot of this, it reminded me of the Golden State yeah. Killer. It I, and I, and I didn't I haven't read the book. Uh, I know most of the stories about it. Um, you know, of course, I've listened to that episode of uh, my favorite mm-hmm. murder or the the day that was recorded that they found yeah, him. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> But um, there are just some things in there that reminded me of him, like because you know they always talked about. It. Did they ever discover if the Golden State Killer was in the picture taken at the? Uh, oh, because you know, that was like one the of the big town thing. Hall meeting that at the they, town hall meeting. They have said that it's a strong possibility, but they haven't determined if he was there in that picture. I was, yeah, because because I, I remember that was a big yeah. thing. But you know, I I had heard beforehand. Yeah. And then, you know, since they've, since his arrest and conviction and all that kind of stuff, I didn't know if they figured out if he was actually in yeah. that photo because, okay, I'm hearing school board meetings. I'm hearing not there in time. I'm hearing, you know, it's like, oh, this sounds Golden State Killer. Yeah. Anyway, no, sorry. it's all good. Um, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Well, and so Paul Holes and Billy Jansen actually had their own podcast together. Um God, I can't remember what it was called, but uh, it was on Exactly Right Network, and in it, whenever all those holes and Jensen, yeah, literally, <laughs> Rizzoli yeah. and Isles, get in here, Rizzoli. But, um, once all those allegations came forward, like they cut the podcast off, like they shut it down. I don't even think you can find back episodes of it if I'm re- remembering yeah. right. But anyways, Oof. all that to say, <laughs> Billy Jensen wrote this article. It's a very well rounded article if not for a little bias towards west virginians which kind of irks me obviously um Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> but it is a well it's a well written article so and I relied heavily heavily on it for this story along with Hillbilly Elegy oh god fuck you <laughs> fuck you and the horse you rode in on that the title hearing that book just brings anger into my soul <clears throat> makes me want to like punch things anyways alright uh, sorry, <laughs> you took a, you took a drink of water and I saw my oh, moment. Oh, I see how it is. Yeah, yeah, almost made me cough. Your cough, shoot, choke. <laughs> so come at your nose. So yeah, um, so Beard left that board of ed meeting and went home with his the woman he was having an affair with. Um, like I was saying, I don't really want to mention her name because I don't feel like that's fair to her. She's not really pertinent to the story itself she does provide a little background on beard though that makes us question his um his innocence or not so i'm going to kind of talk about that but i don't want to i don't want to put her name out there because you know it's not fair to her she just it's happenstance so um anyways so a few months pass after the those initial charges and the sheriff at the time, who was called, his last name's Alkire, A-L-K-I-R-E. Um, he really wasn't able to gather any more evidence on Beard, even though he knew all these stories kind of like that were going around. They started out with Beard telling them. Um, so when all that's going on, the the kind of thing that's going on with Beard and the woman that he's having an affair with kind of went sour, went south. And on Christmas Eve of 1982, um, she was getting her four daughters dressed for church service when Beard called her up. Um, he's telling her, you know, I love you. I'm coming to see you. Blah, blah, blah. Um, she could tell he had mm. been drinking. And so she hung up on him and left straight away left for church. But when she got back from church with her daughters, she found her old English sheepdog on the porch covered in blood. And he had a stab wound in his mm. neck. So she Ooh. she took the dog to the vet. Luckily, the vet was able to save the dog and, you know, so on and so forth. Then at 2 a.m., the woman woke up to what was like a crying noise from under her bed. And so she lifted up the covers so she could see under it. And she found her cat under her bed with its neck slit like straight down and so she went back to the vet with the cat but the cat wasn't as lucky as the dog if you know what i mean yeah Yeah, yeah, so the day after christmas uh the woman filed animal cruelty charges against beard um but when you ask beard he says that he and her are still friends and that she doesn't think he killed her cat so on and so forth like this beard guy is just like he's fucked up in his own right to say the least right but when you ask her, she's like, I know he did it. I know he's a shit person. <laughs> so, right. Uh, Beard was arrested for the animal cruelty charges, but it never went to trial. A lot of people kind of wonder why. Um, with several people pointing at the prosecutor at the time, who was Steve Hunter. Um, and he was the prosecutor for Pocahontas County there in West Virginia. And he served in office from 1978 to 1984. Um, rumors started to run around within the county that Hunter and Beard were close friends, um, possibly even related. But Hunter claims that he, you know, he only had a close relationship with Beard's father. Um, and that was it. Um, he didn't really know Jacob. 
so on and so forth. So new, new Jacob Beard's father didn't know him per se. All right. So if we go back to the original charges that were filed against Atkinson and Cutlip, Beard was granted immunity from the rainbow case. So from the murders of the two women as an accessory after mm-hmm. the fact and a dismissal on the animal cruelty charges um, exchange for in exchange for a polygraph test um, which, which in that polygraph test he stated that he saw Atkinson up on Droop Mountain on the day of the murder itself so in 1983 um, a friend of Beard's from like his teenage years who was named Bobby Lee Morrison he came forward and told the police that he was sleeping in the truck of a local businessman when he was awoken by gunshots that he heard. And the police had actually talked to Brown as a possible witness during their initial investigation um, because his logging truck had actually been seen up on Browery Knob the night of the murder. Um, so on April 7th, 1983, Alkire and Hunter, so the, the sheriff Alkire and Hunter, who was the prosecutor, right. were a part of a search party that were looking for Brown to question him about the murders. So like a solid three years after it happens. Right. Um, and well past midnight, the crew stopped at Hunter's residence to get something to eat. So it, they stopped at Steve Hunter's house to get something to eat. And at about 2 a.m. that night, guess who appeared on the front porch of Hunter's house? Oh, Jacob Lord. Beard. Because why not? <laughs> why not? Yeah. Uh, so he came saying that he kind of wanted to talk to the two of them. You know, it's not real clear what he talked about things of that nature apparently when he showed up he was drunk so on and so forth um it seems to be like it seems to be like it'd be easier for you to tell me when he's when mr beard is not drunk and in this article it even goes so far as like steve hunter even said at one point and i quote talking about beard um either Mm -hmm. he did it or he knew who did it i'm firmly convinced of that so um take with that what you will so that's the prosecutor who's not friendly with beard knew his dad and was friendly with beard's dad but not with beard anyways um but anyways so later on apparently morrison kind of backed off his claim that he was up there heard those gunshots um and any charges that were against brown were dropped so um and morrison was that teenage friend of beard's Right. So now we have what one, two, three, four different people that have been accused of this crime, right? Yeah. So right. It's, yeah. It's, it's fun times. <laughs> Including a teenage friend. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then the corn chopper story, like where somebody apparently a third rainbow girl, like that, kind of just went out to the wind too. So, anyways, it's, it's right. So yeah. Yeah. Up. <laughs> like the, the the one that wound up in the whichever yeah, that nobody yeah. even thinks like there wasn't a third one i don't know it's so it's so weird because 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 i mean that that is you know we, it, we you know it's it, it's that time we should probably have a a, a a sound drop for this at this point in time but it's usually the point in time where you and i will disclose this is where i had to stop looking at something because i saw x and what i saw was a triple murder that's what i saw um, as uh, something that I was like, oh, stop there. No more reading. 
So so some so it so it is a triple murder in some people's eyes. Some people it's a double yeah. in other words. It's, it's, hey. it's so weird. And <clears throat> so to kind of like backtrack a little about Jacob Beard too. So it's not like Jacob Beard was like some like unknown in Pocahontas County. He was he was really well known by most of like the area residents. Like people knew who he was and stuff. And granted, right. like I said, this is third largest county in the state with probably one of the smallest populations in the state too for a county. And so like right. the main areas where people live are either in the town of Marlinton, which is Marlinton is the county seat, as you said, or like a couple other towns scattered throughout the county. Like there's not a lot of towns that have like a decent amount of residents within them. And even then it's like, most of the population is kind of just spread it spread throughout the county on like farms and things of that nature or up haulers and right. stuff. But, um, I mean, like I said, Beard was, he was pretty well known by everybody. And it's not like he was like some guy that could like kind of hide, blend in and stuff too, because he was like pretty larger than life. Like he was a very physically imposing, imposing person, pretty tall, about 250 pounds. So like, when you see him, you're going to remember seeing him, in other words. And he doesn't seem shy. No, he's not shy whatsoever, obviously. <laughs> so. <laughs> but, um, anyways. So, then it leads us into... So, we get nowhere with all that, with the corn chopper, or the chip, wood chipper, whatever the hell you want to call it. I don't know. Corn, corn chopper. chopper. Um, we get nowhere with that in the supposed third victim. Wait, hold on a yeah. second. Is that a West Virginia thing? I guess thing? so. It's in this article. So, wait, corn chopper. No. Okay. So what that is, that's like for corn shucking and stuff. It's a machine where you right. like, feed yeah, like, yeah, corn yeah. in and it shucks it and it like kind of like pull the kernel kernels off. That's a corn yeah, chopper. I guess that's what it is. It's got to be. Um, so we go from <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that wasn't like, wait, you guys call it a corn <laughs> I, I just want. I just wanted to make sure y'all didn't call it, uh, you know, <laughs> corn choppers. That's no. what you chip no. wood with. No, no, no. no. <laughs> um, so we go through all that. Police are kind of back at square one. Then, about, I don't know, like 800 miles away, a serial killer who's been picked up on unrelated drug charges or unrelated charges decided he was going to start talking. So we got our four people oh, that have Lord. been accused already up here in Pocahontas <clears throat> County and then like 800 miles away, a guy that's like a damn serial killer. A guy who has nothing to lose. Nothing to fucking lose whatsoever. It's like, oh, it was me. I did it. So. Uh, he's just trying to add numbers. <sighs> so born James Clayton Vaughn Jr. He, this man changed his name to Joseph Fa Paul Franklin in homage to Nazi leader Joseph Goebbels. Oh yeah. And Goebbels, yeah. American hero Benjamin Franklin. So he's like, I'm gonna change my name to Joseph Franklin because these are the oh. two people I love, a fucking Nazi and Ben Franklin. <laughs> make it make sense. You know, like I think we've talked about it before. That's like someone claiming to be a member of the party of Lincoln and flying a Confederate flag from yeah. their car. Lovely. So, um, you can have one, but not the other. <laughs> James Vaughn, also known as Joseph Paul Franklin, um, was a well-declared racist um, with a membership in the KKK and the National States Rights Party. Um, Franklin, 
went on a killing spree in 1977 that lasted three <clears throat> damn years. And Jeez. on his way back from a bank robbery that he committed in North Carolina, when he was heading to Hi-oh. Lexington, Kentucky, Franklin claims that he picked up two hitchhikers. Um, he said that one of the girls had told him that he, she had dated several blacks, quote unquote, and all that. And yeah, all that. That was his words. Um, well, then obviously. Yeah. She needs to die. He said that the other one told him, and this is a quote from this article, and the other one told me she would if she had a chance, so I just decided to waste them at that time. End quote. Uh, I hate being right. So, (laughs) he, um, the girls would then be added to his self-professed 20-plus body count, which included black men, Jews, and his favorite target, mixed-race couples. Um, but people were not convinced that Franklin actually did it. So. Have you ever picked up a hitchhiker? Have I ever? Uh, have we talked about this? No, I don't, I don't know think so. Um, have I picked uh, up one? No. Because I'm, I'm not going to lie. I've always been, like, too nervous to. So. Yeah. Yeah. Now, granted, if I'm, like, traveling on an area that's, like, right close to the AT and I see somebody with, like, a big actual, like, pack on and stuff, I'd be like, hell yeah, hop in, I'll give you a ride, buddy. Like, that would... Yeah, I mean, that was was something that, um, that was new to me and it was, it was difficult to do at first and, you know, when I was hiking and, and, you know, you got used to it, you kind of got numb to it. Now, the one thing that I have, if anybody wants to listen, I believe there's an entire episode about hitchhiking um with pox and puss but uh but i noticed that majority of the people who did wind up picking you up either had a alcoholic drink in the cup holder or you could or you could smell booze on them um i think they were a little bit looser and like yeah i'll pick somebody up but um i noticed that you know a little bit more but uh i one time i don't know what made me do it um I was leaving work in Durham, North Carolina, heading back to Raleigh, North Carolina, where I lived. And I was at this intersection. There were these two kids with backpacks on. And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> why not? Might as well. <clears throat> and they wanted to go to like the beach, which was like a two and a half hour drive. And I was like, well, I'm going about 25 minutes. So I can get you a bit closer there. And as we were talking, they wound up being pretty nice. And so I wound up taking them like well past where I lived. Yeah. And got them to um, a part of the interstate where they actually would be heading towards Wilmington and not just towards Raleigh. And um, uh, pulled away and went, what the fuck did I just do that for? (laughs) They could have killed me, you know, like, you know, you know, uh, know, so, yeah, I I think my hitchhiking days are done at this point. Um, But, yeah, it is it is kind of weird just to go. Yeah, I'm going to let this stranger into oh, my car. wait. I must have completely blocked this out of my memory. So, uh, like... Yeah, I love surprise oh, memories. Oh, so, like, oh, I don't know, what was it, like, two years ago? I think it was about two years ago. I was coming home up the backside of the mountain here, and mm-hmm. I was probably, like, a mile and a half from my house, and I'm, like, going around this one turn, which it's kind of like a, a bit of a blind turn, and there's a car on the side of the road, and it's just kind of like stop there. They've got like their 
they don't have their they've got their headlights off but their taillights are on and i'm like okay this is weird so i pull up and like if somebody stopped like that i'm like you know i'll check and make sure somebody's okay and i was like put the window down and i was like hey are you all all right and this guy walks up to me and he's like well we've got a flat and da 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 and there's like four of us and <clears throat> he goes we're trying to get home but we don't have a spare and this and that and blah 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 and i was like oh okay i was like can you call somebody and they're like, we've tried, and, like, nobody can come get us, and could you maybe give us a ride so we can't get a hold of anybody? And I was like, I don't know. And, like, there's, like, two women in the back. There's two guys up front. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys that was up front is the one that came out, and he's like, he's like, I promise you. He's like, we just need a ride home, and that's it. He's like, I promise nothing fishy's going to happen. And I'm like, all right. Meanwhile, I start hearing, like, one of the ladies who's, like, I don't know, in her late 50s or something, she starts hollering. She's like, I'm good, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Oh, they were at a party. Oh, and I was yeah. like, were y'all at a party somewhere? Because it was Saturday night. And I was like, were y'all at a party somewhere? And they're like, we ran over a rock that probably like busted the tire. He's like, you can see it. I mean, I could see it was like flat as fucking be. And they're like, we drove for like a mile on it. And I was like, you're going to fuck up your rim doing that. <laughs> and like, yeah. and I was like, Ugh. I was like, all right, that's fine. And I was like, try if you can i said pull it into this one driveway across here because nobody lives there and you know i'll let the people across to know or i was like leave a a note on it that says hey coming back to get car tomorrow blah 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 and i was like i'll give you a run because i could hear like the girls were like oh my god blah 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 and i was just like all right we're we're gonna be fun so i'm like pulled over got my hazards on they get the car moved into that one driveway and then Come to find out, the older woman is the one dude's mom. And he's like, Mama, come on. She gonna give us a ride. <laughs> and I was oh. like, oh, my fucking God. What did I get myself into? <clears throat> Mama. So oh. they all come piling my Subaru out back. Like three of them in the back. One sitting right next to me. The one younger girl who I guess was like the one guy's fiance, girlfriend, whatever. She's like, I got to pee. And I was, I literally popped my head up and I looked through the window mirror and I said, if you piss in my car, you're fucking cleaning it. She's like, I'm not going to. And I was like, I'm going to murder somebody. Mm, so ended up, I was talking to the guy sitting next. To me. He's like, I really appreciate this. And he was like, I was like, did you not have anything? He's like, no, I smoked a little weed. That was it. And I was like, okay. He's like, no, I'm trying to stay clean. And he was telling me about like, he had had like substance use issues he was clean except for smoking a little weed every now and then like but he's like <laughs> super nice and like whenever he's like i'm just really trying hard and i was like listen i was like i'm proud of you and like we had a nice little chat and like whenever i got them to their home because it was literally like you get to the bottom of the mountain at alderson and you go like five minutes and you're like right there where they live he's like like when they were getting out he's like i really appreciate you and i was like oh it's no problem buddy like it's all good and he was like, no, he's like, it felt good to hear, like, somebody say they were proud of me for being clean. And I was like, well, I am. I was like, that's a big step. And I am proud of you. And I was mm-hmm. like, you know, hey, you know, look me up on Facebook. If you ever need somebody to just kind of talk to if you're having a tough day, I was like, just remember, like, you can message me and I'll tell you I'm proud of you for doing it. And he's like, OK, so it turned out good. But Lord, that was a fucking wild ass yeah. ride down that mountain with those two women, like, drunker and shit. So. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm guessing from a few things that you just disclosed, you don't want that to be in the episode. Uh, just keep my last name out. I don't care. Like it's <laughs> okay, no, okay, it's okay. A, I was making sure. No. You also named a road. You also named a road too. Yeah, I'll cut, cut that, that out too. too. But no, I mean it's a good um, story because it was like because I'd never yeah, like no, picked fine. up anybody, and I was just like, you know, I had a really great conversation with that guy. He was telling me about his struggles, and I was like, 
I felt good that I made yeah. him feel good for telling him that I was proud of him because I really was, you know. Well, oh yeah. So. Well, I, I as you were talking, I was reminded like, oh my god, I forgot about this. Um, very early in maybe maybe even like right before my wife and I got married almost 20 years ago. Um, I can't remember when this was, but <clears throat> very early in, in my wife's and my relationship, either we were dating or had just been married. And we were taking from where my parents live. We were taking what was back then a considered a, the, the long way into Raleigh, but it avoided a lot of traffic initially. So, um, didn't involve a lot of surface streets and city stuff initially. So you could just kind of get onto the highway. And so <clears throat> we're cruising along, going down this highway and, uh, heading towards Raleigh and out of nowhere, there's like, a, it's a big hill. Um, it's kind of, you know, cut to the side of the you know hill to make this road. And so there's this big, you know, steep hill off to the right. And, um, it's, you know, it's nighttime. It's dark, and I see this person kind of emerge from the woods and start running down this really steep bank of a hill, and I'm like, what's going on there? And then I look up, and it's this guy I've known since second grade's brother, little brother, and he's running out of the woods. <clears throat> down towards the highway and it was just enough time for me to go is that and i was like that is him and so i pulled over because i was like is he he okay mm -hmm. it was kind of in the direction of where he lived but not quite but i mean and also he didn't know my car and it was nighttime and he just came running down out of the woods and i was like um do you need a ride? He's like, yeah, could you take me to, uh, and it was where his brother worked. And I was like, yeah, sure. And, uh, he was just, it was just like, how you doing? He's like, doing fine. How about you guys? Like doing okay. Uh, everything okay up in the woods back there. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, was looking at us like we were of crazy. Course. You know, one of those where it's like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and we were miles, miles from where his brother, I mean, we were driving yeah. past it, but I mean, miles past it. It's like nine or nine o'clock at night yeah. or something like that. And it's like, what are you doing? And so we dropped him off and, uh, we couldn't go in and say hello. We were on a tight time <laughs> schedule at that point in time. So it was just like. But he just came running, and, and, and it was one of those where afterwards I was like, "Well, I'm waiting to find to hear someone say that they found a body yeah, in the woods or yeah. something," because it was like, "What are you doing running out of the woods at nine o'clock at night towards cars?" Insanity. And he, and you know, and I, I expected him to seem like he was on drugs or something. Like that. Like, no, no, no it was, he was just like, "Hey, how's it going, guys? Yeah. Hey, thank you. you mind giving me a ride up the road a little bit here? Thanks." <laughs> okay. Sure, I guess. Whatever. I was like, is this just something you do oh, now? God. Cool. Lord. But uh, yeah, <laughs> still, it's just like, okay, well, that yeah. happened. All right. So now that we have diverted on our own little hitchhiking mm -hmm. stories and stuff, because that brought up memories. Yes. But back to mm -hmm. James Clayton Vaughn Jr., a.k.a. Joseph Paul Franklin, and his claim that he picked up the two hitchhikers, killed them, blah, 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 because he's a racist piece of shit. Right. Anyways, yeah. so... After Alkar spoke with him and, like, I think Hunter even spoke with him at one point, like, 
they did not believe at all that he was responsible for this. Like, there were, it, it, like, literally anybody else in Pocahontas County doesn't either. A couple things that really didn't line up, like, the map that Franklin drew of the murder scene, apparently, it was incomplete, and then some of it was just completely wrong. Um, he said that he killed them on a highway, which I think I know which highway they're talking about. I think it's 219. Um, that he could just throw a rock to where their bodies were found when it was actually like six and a half miles away. Like the highway itself is six mm. and a half miles away from like where they were found. Um, and then he gave like four or five different versions of how they were shot. Um, I mean, he even went so far as saying like um, he shot one sitting in the backseat of the car and that would put like the wound like the trajectory of the bullet going into like their bellies it wouldn't put it in their chest yeah. um he said that he only shot one of the girls only once um when both of them were shot at least twice remember so like one had yeah. two shots to the chest one had two shots to the chest and one to the head so i mean none of it lined up um, and this no. was a guy that was already like on death row for numerous other crimes. Um, and he had a habit, like, it's kind of like, what's his name? The one, uh, serial killer <sighs> that was like, they tried to pin the murders of the two women or the couple, no, the two women that were on the, killed on the AT. Oh yeah, I can't. I, I wanted I know to you're say John Wayne Gacy, remember. and I'm like, that's not fucking right. It's not John Wayne Gacy. It's, no. Um, oh my gosh, I'm I know it, and I can't think of it. But anyways, it's it's a lot like that guy, like where he's trying to claim all these like unsolved crimes and murders, and it's like right. it's not him. I mean, this guy even tried to claim yeah. that he was the man who shot Larry Flint. You know who Larry Flint is? The hustler guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, hustler. He yeah, tried to yeah. claim that was him, that he shot him. <clears throat> um, he tried to claim that he shot um, Vernon Jordan, who was the Urban League president in 1980. Um, but again, like Hunter said, Steve Hunter, he was the prosecutor, said, we're not going to pursue anything because none of this lines up. Yeah. And we think he's just kind of like, you know, talking out his asshole. Okay, I have uh, two tabs yes. open. One, the the story of, uh, you know, I did this and wanting all the attention and all that kind of stuff. What was the case where that ha Was it the guy said he killed John Bonet? Was that what it was? And they, remember they flew that guy no, in? it was... What was he, he... Or some kind of crime had been committed and this guy was in Thailand and they flew him in and he got here and was like, no, nah, I was just kidding. Was I didn't it do Bonet? it. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. So there's that guy. And oh then um, the other... Drives me nuts. Yeah, I have to look that up. But at the same time, um, the other thing, when you said hustler, um, sometimes when we leave the house, we will have... Uh, well, or just when the dogs need some noise, we'll put on uh, the Roku channel that just has a free uh, family uh -huh. feud. It just runs the family feud all yeah. day long. And it's just, that's all it is. And it's the family feud channel. And so I came in... And it was on, and it was the one with the guy from uh, Tool Time. Um, that was that era uh -huh. where the guy from, uh, the, you know, the guy with the beard yeah, from Tool yeah, Time. Yeah. Um, or Home Improvement, yeah. whatever it was. Um, it was it was his era, so like early yeah. 90s and or mid-90s. And it was, uh, what's a magazine that you don't want to be on the cover of? And, um, and Hustler was like number three. <laughs> 
and uh, the number two magazine that people didn't want to have their picture. Like number one was like the yeah. Inquirer. And um, but the number two picture magazine that people didn't want their picture on was Time. Really? Time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even he kind of looked at like Time. It was the one that nobody got because everybody else was like, I don't know, Playboy. I don't know, Playgirl. Um, you know, dead guessing everything else. And then, uh, yeah, but yeah, so Hustler. So, That's really okay, strange. Boop, boop, tabs closed. <laughs> That's really strange. Tabs closed. Oh. <laughs> All right. So 10 years after the murder and the finding of the bodies. Um, so I guess 1990, right? Yeah. Um, the rainbow people actually came back yeah. for a small, like regional gathering to the area. Um, and Barry Adams and the other rainbow organizers, they asked the sheriff of, I almost said Green Bar <laughs> they asked the sheriff. Nottingham. Yeah, sheriff of Nottingham. Um, they asked the sheriff of Pocahontas County, which was still Alkire, um, if that old case was still open, which of course it was, like they had no damn leads whatsoever. Um, and they asked this because they said they possibly had a witness to it, but that witness like never panned out and the case was once again brought to you know, the front and kind of just kind of simmered down again. Um, but the new prosecutor at that time, Walt Weeford, I think is his last name, W-E-I-F-O-R-D. Um, he found a small slip of note paper with a reference to a girl named Pam Wilson, um, who would be the key to unlocking the whole case, supposedly. Um, and, you know, he's, he kind of wondered why it wasn't pursued e earlier, but he just didn't know. So, Pamela Wilson told Alkire and Sheriff, Sheriff Jerry Dale that she and her mother, Alice Roberts, had been on the Rennick Flats, um, which is a long, straight s slip of Route 219. So, it's um, just below Droop Mountain and Droop Mountain Battlefield State Park, and it's in Greenberg County. Um but she said that they were on, you know, Rennick Flats on the day of the murder. Um, and that they remembered that, like, two hippie-type girls climbed into a blue van between 2 p.m. and 5 p.m. that day. Um, and the van belonged to a local, quote-unquote, good old boy named Richie Fowler. So, on April 16th, 1992, first-degree murder charges were brought against uh, both... Fowler and Beard, and their pals, Pee Wee Walton, Gerald Brown, Arnold Cutlip, Bill McCoy, and Johnny Washington Lewis. Gee, so that's six? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, six. Six different men. So. I was to say, yeah, player six has entered the game. Yeah, that other dude player just like out of nowhere. has entered. And don't forget, there's somebody named Pee Wee. So, yeah, that's kind of the creepy part of it all. So, there's... This case is so fucked up. We know that so far, right? Yeah. And of course, like, nothing's going to be easy with it. Nothing's going to work with it. Like, it's just going to be totally jacked up. So then, three months after this, the charges were dismissed for lack of evidence. <laughs> okay but good to but know but by january of 1993 they brought charges back this time against um they had indictments against fowler beard 
Cutlip, Brown, and McCoy. Um, and while waiting for trial, Brown, so that was, what was his first name again? Gerald Brown, who was one of the, the men that was, you know, indicted the second mm-hmm. time in 1993. Um, so Brown was found dead because he choked to death on a ham sandwich at Bill McCoy's house. Huh. Bill McCoy, who was also one of the people indicted, both in 92 yeah. and 93. <clears throat> Tell me that's not a little strange. Hams. A ham, ham sandwich, sammy. huh? Um, apparently, it was absolutely a genuine accident. The medical examiner found like gristle from the ham stuck in his throat. Um, and the pathologist said there was no way it could have been forced into there. So he le- legitimately choked and died. Choked on a ham sandwich. Pulled a mama cast. That's exactly where my mind went to. <laughs> but yeah, no legit choked on a ham sandwich. And McCoy was not guilty of shoving that ham down his throat. So kind of strange, though, that he was hanging out there. Um, uh, and no Heimlich was yeah. administered or anything like that. Oh, Lord. Um but Walton and Lewis claimed that Beard did the actual shooting um, and offered to testify in exchange for immunity. All right. So Beard, who was now 46 and he was actually living in Florida, was brought back up for trial um, and he would face charges alone because the other two rolled on him. So now I'm going to kind of read a little bit from there's a really great um, website called the National Registry of Exonerations. Um, because spoiler alert, the beer was charged, and by the way, he got convicted. His conviction was overturned. So right, right. All right. So kind of backtracking just it's just a smidge. So you know how Pam yeah. Wilson said that she saw um, Pam. Pam. She saw two women get into a blue van, so on and so forth. Well, she said right. that, that woman was driven by Richard Fowler, who was one of the accused. That she knew. Right. Um, I mean, they're, they're, there's so many. I'm getting confused. They all have just, yeah. Yeah. There's like so many. You know. um, but she said she saw McCoy with Winters Walton and Fowler that afternoon. So to kind of backtrack a little bit, because we went through the 92 and 93 charges. But in November of 1991, a man who was serving a 10-year prison term for forgery and auto theft reached out to police hoping to trade info about the case for better prison conditions. I guess so a better cell or something? I don't know. Um, and that yeah. man was Keith Cohenauer, um, and he said that on the day the women were murdered, he drove into a tavern parking lot in Hillsboro, West Virginia, which is just south of Marlinton, the t- county seat, and just north of Droop Mountain. So I'd like literally think it's like five miles north of Droop. Yeah. So... Um, But he said that um, on the day the women were murdered, he drove to that tavern and walked past the van that was owned by Richard Fowler. Um, And Kohenauer said that he heard voices coming from inside the van and that it was Fowler, McCoy, well, Fowler, McCoy, and McCoy, he could overhear McCoy say, to Fowler that, quote, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life behind bars for Jake Beard or no one else, end quote. 
and then Fowler, you know, told him, he's like, either you keep your mouth shut or you're going to end up at the same place that those girls are. So, Kohenauer said he and Fowler and McCoy met several hours later at a trailer owned by Gerald Brown. So, that's how this guy's getting pulled in. And Kohenauer mm-hmm. said that Brown and Jacob Beard were arguing that uh, Beard was telling Brown to keep his mouth shut. Like, to not say a damn thing. Stay quiet. Um, Beard then told McCoy that if he didn't keep his mouth shut, he would, quote, end up on Briary Knob too." end quote. Um, so hmm. later that night, um, Cohenhauer apparently gave McCoy a ride home, and McCoy told Cohenhauer that he saw Beard shoot the women. Um, so that's when the, like, investigation started to ramp up, you know, so on and so forth. Um, that's when those six men were arrested in 92, but the charges dropped. Right. Um, but, uh, so the, there were a couple more witnesses that were witnesses. I use that term loosely at this point that were located. Um, a man named Steve good reporting fats. Bleh. A man named Steve Good reported seeing Fowler's van at Brown's home at about 6 p.m. on the night of the murders. And he said the van was kind of like backed into the residence, like kind of backed up against it. Mm -hmm. And that the van was being hosed out, like with a water hose. Um, Another man named William William Scott told police that he saw Beard driving at a high rate of speed out of Droop Mountain State Park at about 3.30 or 3.45 p.m. on the date of the crime. Um, another witness said that she saw Beard's vehicle, but not him, at the entrance to the park from anywhere from 5.30 to 6 p.m. Um, so, you know, as we said, in April of yeah. 92, charges were brought forth, but it was kind of like a little too wibbly-wobbly shaky. And so they right. ended up having to drop those. Um, but one thing that was certain is that Lewis and Walton like adhered to the fact that they said that beard was the one that was the killer. Um, but (laughs) so when there was a pretrial hearing, Walton then claimed that he was physically threatened by police. Um, and that one officer specifically put his foot on the back of Walton's neck at one point. Um, so following the allegations of misconduct and questions about Lewis's credibility, um, he ended up recanting his identification of Beard, um, like at different times to his lawyer. Um, so that's what led to the dismissal of charges. I told you this is a long ass story. <laughs> like, I don't even want to know. <laughs> We've been recording for two hours, 43 minutes. Perfect. <laughs> Probably, well, one hour, 43 minutes. On January 13th, 1993, though, Beard, McCoy, Fowler, Brown, and Cutlip were then again indicted for the murders and Walton and Lewis were not charged like we said before um, because Mm. those two men had been granted immunity in exchange for their testimony and implicating the five other people in it. Um, So on April 16th, 1993 beard was arrested in Crescent city, Florida, where he'd actually moved down there at some point and was working as a service manager at a car dealership. So prior to the actual trial trial itself, remember how I said we have our, you know, our neo-Nazi Ben Franklin mm-hmm. lover who, what is his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he confessed, blah, blah, blah. We, again, use that term lightly. Um, but Beard's lawyers actually sought to, like, introduce 
Joseph Paul Franklin's confession as evidence that Beard didn't do it. And they did it because, or they wanted to, because, again, he was a convicted serial killer serving three life sentences at a federal penitentiary. The trial judge barred that evidence as, quote unquote, hearsay and unreliable. Duh. Beard ended up going to trial alone. I'm not really sure why it was dropped from the other defendants. So, like, the other ones that were still charged in it. But in the summer of 93, he went to trial, and they actually held the trial down in Greenbar County, which is just south of Pocahontas County, um, because of the publicity of the murders, and they didn't think they would get a fair, unbiased jury for it. Right. Um, so, it was during that trial that, you know, Pamela Wilson, you know, retold that she had seen the woman walking down 219. They had been picked up by um, Fowler and yada yada and so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah. Um, but... I'm really kicking myself that I didn't make a, a zone of death, West Virginia zone of death. That's why they had to move the trial. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm mad that I didn't make a joke. <laughs> you can still do it if you want. <laughs> no, no, no. It's okay. It's been done now. Oh, gosh. We've heard how they wanted to kind of, like, defend him, quote-unquote, when it comes to um, Beard and his lawyer. But kind of want to go into the story that the prosecution played whenever they took this to trial and all that fun stuff. So they state, prosecution states that around noon on June 25th, 1980, Richie Fowler and Bill McCoy picked up Pee Wee Walton. And they had a plan of kind of just... Pee-wee. <laughs> Pee-wee. Um, they had a plan of just kind of driving around in Fowler's van, um, which it says in the, the Billy Jensen article that it was a custom van that was a plush-carpeted captain's chair and bed, 70s job type of van. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... I mean, honestly, were you picturing something different? No, I wasn't. When I, yeah. But anyways, so those three apparently were planning on just riding around, drinking, and shooting groundhogs. Because why not in Pocahontas County? Why not? Um, yeah. But they state that the prosecution states that Nancy and Vicky were walking along the Rennick Flats, which, like I said, is just south of Pocahontas County. Literally just south. Um, when We thought they was groundhogs. We thought they was groundhogs. When a blue van pulled up, so the girls got in. Um, so they didn't state that McCoy was, at the time, a, quote, nice-looking young man, so he could have picked them up and they could have just felt fine for the majority of the time, mm. end quote. Um, the three men then took the girls to the residence of Gerald Brown, where it is speculated the girls ate a meal and took showers, having been on the road for weeks. It's also speculated that McCoy made a phone call during this time. Eventually, the five met up with the with Cutlip and Beard, and everyone apparently headed to the woods to party. So a few hours passed. Many, you know, they drank a whole shit ton. Mm -hmm. um, Pee Wee Walton, who was already apparently wasted apparently peeked out the window of Fowler's van to see Beard looking at his friend's rifle. Um, and inside the van, he saw Fowler McCoy, McCoy armed with... It's a... God! See, this is where I get pissed. So the article says that inside the van, he witnessed Fowler and McCoy armed with liquor and hillbilly making passes at the girls. So, in other words, like, kind of just playing on stereotypes and 
like yeah armed with the confidence of liquor and being a hillbilly is what he's essentially saying like yeah i'm glad billy jensen's getting his ass reamed for misconduct charges because that pisses me off anyways that's that's not yeah so it's just it's not even an uh it doesn't make sense no it doesn't like why would you even narrate that way but anyways so fowler and mccoy were kind of they were drunk as shit and they were making passes at the girls but the girls rejected their advances and that's when they state that fowler became enraged and he grabbed nancy and said quote we will kill people and we'll kill you end quote um so at this point the girls got out of the van um an argument ensued you know people yelling back and forth and this and that uh johnny washington lewis who was also drunk kind of peered out the window of another truck and saw the women get out and stand next to beard um and then he saw beard raise his hands and heard shots this is all Mm. the prosecutor story um and according to lewis beard said he shot them quote because they were going to go to the law end quote um so again everybody's drunk everybody's upset um they state that Wee walton said he wanted to go to the police but then he says McCoy got mad at him um, and hit him and said that they weren't going to do such a thing. And so um, Walton can also kind of remember someone saying, we've got to clean this place up. We might want to party here again. Um, it's then theorized that Brown disposed of the bodies on Briary Knob. So um, not huh. Beard. So it's according to this story, Jacob Beard is the one that shot them, but Brown's the one that disposed of them up there. Um, and so, you know, like all the evidence pointed at Jacob Beard, when you say all the evidence, okay, all the corroborated statements point to Beard. Um, and so he was, um, it's also important to note too, though, that so Beard actually testified in his own self-defense and he like provided his time card for the, his job at Greenbar Tractor, whatever, um, and like said that he was at this board meeting, this and the other. So like he, it's, if you think that your client is going to be convicted, usually you don't put your client on the stand to testify for themselves. So his defense must've thought, well, we've got a pretty strong case in this, you know? Right. Um, however, though, on June 4th, 1993, a jury convicted beard of both murders and he was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Um, the prosecution then dismissed the charges against the remaining defendants. So everybody else in that scenario. Uh. Um, and they were never prosecuted again. No other charges were ever brought forth for anybody else. Like not wow. even like improper disposal, nothing. Okay. So okay. in 1995, the West Virginia Supreme Court of Appeals affirmed the conviction. So like they said, okay, these con- this conviction stands. Right. But remanded the case for a hearing to determine whether any of the prosecution's evidence had been developed from leads Beard provided after being granted limited immunity. Remember that before? Oh, yeah. diplomatic immunity. Yeah. So in 1996, a judge ruled that the evidence was properly obtained and the ruling was upheld by the Court of Appeals, appeals in 1998. Um, lawyers for Beard then decided to file a state petition for a writ of habeas, cor- habeas corpus, um, they presented a sworn deposition from Joseph Paul Franklin saying he had killed the women. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so our white supremacists. Um, and they yeah. also presented testimony from Cutlip saying that he had been with Lewis on the day of the murders and they did not even see Beard. So in January of 1999, the writ was granted, the conviction was vacated, and a new trial was ordered. And Beard was released on bond. Um, Beard went on trial for a second time in May of 2000 up in Braxton County this time is where they held the trial because which Braxton County is kind of like the center of the state um, but they held it up there because of guess what publicity about the case and so on and so forth Um, so Beard again testified on his own behalf he presented his alibi the defense presented the deposition of Franklin as well as Cutlip's testimony that rebuted Lewis's testimony um, and after less than three hours of deliberation, the jury acquitted Beard on May 31st, 2000. Hmm. Um, and so Beard would then later file a wrongful conviction lawsuit against Pocahontas County Police. And in January of 20 or January of 2003, he agreed to a two million dollar settlement. Jesus. Yeah. So that kind of wraps up that so far. Now we'll say that like, what's his name? Uh, Franklin. He still kind of proclaimed that he did it. Um, but then again, he also didn't know anything about the area. Um, right. Yeah. Nobody else was actually convicted of any charges in this case, or excuse me, not convicted. Nobody was actually charged. Besides Beard. So, like, once Beard, his conviction was overturned, they've never done any type of other... Like, they haven't tried to pursue anybody else. Because at his second trial, he was found innocent. Um, Whether he was or not, that's very, very, very debatable at this point. We know he's got a horrible... We know he's a a nasty drinker. Um, By the way, he lives back down in Florida now, too. Beard does. Um... But we know that he's like a was a terrible drinker. We know that um you know, there's a strong possibility he kill or attempted to kill the dog of and killed the cat of his the woman he was having a affair oh. with. You know, he was known to have a horrible temper when he was drunk. Um although it's kinda of fishy, you know, when there are people stating flat out like we saw him shoot them that's kind of damning if you ask me, but then again, it's all screwed up and whacked because yeah. the story got told 80 different times. And then you want to charge like what, eight, six to eight different people like throughout yeah. this. Like, it's just so, it's so jacked up. Um, so after his conviction was overturned and like he faced his new trial and was found not guilty, like nobody ever, nobody's been charged besides that. Um, Franklin, would still try to say when he was on death row, he was put to death by the way. And I'm trying to find it real quick and I can't find it. When was he put to death? Shoot. It's been a few years ago. I want to say 2013, but I'm not positive. But when Franklin was put to death, he was still trying to say he did it, but nothing from his story adds up. Um, the only real kind of maybe connection he might have to Pocahontas County would be the fact that he is a Nazi sympathizer and in Pocahontas County, there is a group of 
neo-Nazis that live on a compound there. And if they the name of them. Oh. Well, that's okay. <laughs> but it's 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 the um the guy that wrote the turner diaries i know you know you've heard of that i'm sure right probably yeah so but i'm not the turner diaries is a book oh it's the national alliance is what it's called oh i've heard yeah of that. so the national yeah. alliance it's a white supremacist group um that live they have a compound up in pocahontas county in hillsborough west virginia which Hillsborough is literally five miles north of Droop Mountain. Oh. Um, it's founded by William Pierce, who wrote the Turner Diaries. If you haven't heard of the Turner Diaries somehow, that was what Timothy McVeigh, who was responsible for the Oklahoma City building bombings, it was like his Bible to read how to complete that crime, unfortunately. Um, but William Pierce died several years, like many years ago. But that's the only kind of semi-connection is that this guy was a, he was a neo-Nazi. He was a racist. He possibly could have been heading to the compound that's outside of Hillsborough. Possibly could have not. It's hard to tell. So how did this even get to be yada yada? Mm -hmm. um, Southern Poverty Law Center does a real great coverage of like right. all hate groups within the U.S., um, and specifically, they've got some pretty good articles kind of like describing about the National Alliance up there, you know, things that they've done and like why they're on all these damn watch lists, <laughs> to say the least. Um, the top 10. Yeah, top 10. Um, but Southern Southern Poverty Law Center has some pretty good articles on uh, National Alliance that if you're trying to look for information or safe places to look for that information, I guess you would say. Southern Poverty Law Center should have a uh, TikTok account. Right. And you're like, the top 10, ten worst <laughs> people in America. Top 10 worst hate groups in the U.S. <laughs> Number five. Have you ever heard of the Westboro Baptist Church? Oh, well, they God. heard of you. Uh, are you gay? <laughs> they hate you. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing God hates. <clears throat> <I'm sorry. laughs> there's there's actually and i have to figure out where it was and it might have been for no i think it was for something else i was covering but um there's one website i found and they have like a map of the u.s and you click on each state oh it's for the sundown towns when i was doing um the story of lake lanier mm -hmm. and stuff and i was looking up sundown towns and things like that i'll find that link and stuff and hopefully we can put it back in here there's a great map that I can't remember which school in the U.S. does or created of, like, it shows you the hate groups in each state, each county, you name it. Um, and mm -hmm. gives you, like, the statistics for them and whatnot, whether they're active, inactive, so on and so forth. But it's it's a really, it's it's very eye-opening, to say the least. Yep. Like, yep. and National Alliance is literally listed for West Virginia and cause they their main places in Pocahontas County, but they have like several little branched out places within West Virginia and surrounding states. Um, but they're listed as kind of like inactive. I can tell you it that's not true. They're still active. They're just really quiet yeah. because they don't they can't organize themselves currently um, because there's too much infighting. So I've heard. <laughs> so I was just kind of scrolling through the. Uh... I was just kind of, as as we were talking, I was just kind of scrolling through the one of North Carolina and, yeah. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're missing a few. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there is, <coughs> excuse me, 
But um, there, there's some. That's probably the only real connection that Franklin has to Pocahontas County. Um, and we know that he likes to try to claim this shit, but doesn't really, you know, have a backbone to stand on when it comes to it. Um, yep. But to kind of like go back real quick, so I, I know we're kind of like jumped. Like, okay, well, you've told us a story. What the hell are we covering now? So we kind of talked about at the beginning how, like, you know, the Rainbow Gatherings, yes, it's love, light, peace, unity, all that happy-dappy bullshit, right? But right. the Rainbow Gatherings are not without problematic behavior, as I said before. Um, so kind of like a little bit of a super quick rundown. Yeah. Um, there's some of the difficulties they... Um, one of the biggest problems is like the unacknowledged class and power structures of the rainbow community and its events. So like there's no leader, this and that and the other. And it's like, okay, well there's still like power struggles within and whatnot. Um, they just don't acknowledge it. Um, there's kind of like Burning Man now where they talk about like how it's it's like, like Burning Man. Yeah. No, it's a lot. How like like people are now, you know, people like not necessarily Elon Musk with that kind of crowd, the crypto bros and everybody else that kind of, um, made their money in tech. They pull up in huge million dollar, you know, RVs and kind of have a special area off to the side away from everyone else. And so it's kind of becoming VIP ish in some ways. And yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't really know, but I've heard that. Yeah. Um, but with the rainbow gatherings and the rainbow family, there's the so-called phenomenon of quote unquote drain, drain bows. Um, and these are individuals who are perceived as not giving to not give sufficiently of their labor or other resources for the common good, but rather only consume the social benefits of a rainbow gathering, um, and offer or of what a rainbow gathering offers. Um, which is like a classic like co-op problem, really. Right. Yeah. Because it like is. if you have like somebody that's take take taking but not giving back within the co-op, then you know you're gonna have problems. Yeah. Um, the biggest kicker is uh, relationships with both the Forest Service as lo- well as local communities and other stakeholders in national forest lands, um, and that counts for both commercial interests as well as local environmentalists who are, are concerned about the gatherings' impacts. Um, the Spring Council of the Rainbow Family does not inform the U.S. Forest Service of the gathering location until a few days prior to the event, which leads to huge problems. Because right. why do you want to guess that? Be- I mean, it's like obvious. It's like they're not going to have enough staff on standby in case something goes wrong. Like if there is an issue where law enforcement is needed because Forest Service um, individuals, you know, they do go through like some type like if you're like um help me here what's it called if you're like a park oh, yeah. or something you you go through like a type of law enforcement training is yeah. Thing. yeah 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 um basically you go through a basic law enforcement yeah training and then yeah you go adapt it to your wherever you work yeah yeah um one of the other biggest kickers is oh toaster woke up that's what i've been <laughs> I, I don't know if you've seen me but i've been not paying attention to the screen because toaster has been doing like yoga behind you <laughs> I didn't and know. most of that 
most of that yoga has involved them trying to keep their tongue in its mouth. Oh, um, yeah, he does that. And, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and yeah, no, see, there he goes, downward dog. dog. Lay down. Okay, laying down. <laughs> but, you yeah, know, he, he got up and was, like, looking out the window for a while. Like, and you were just reading on? along. And I was hiding my head <laughs> behind you the to microphone. Because <laughs> I, was, I was back over here like, oh, God. There you go. I can't look. Yeah. Now he's like, huh? What? Uh, Leave that yeah. in. <laughs> oh yeah, I will. Um, they don't notify a forest service, you know, in a decent amount of time. They wait till a couple days beforehand. Um, there's always damage to the forest lands, campgrounds, facilities, whether it's human waste, trash, other mess, yeah. such as abandoned vehicles. Like they don't clean up after themselves. They don't. Um, <sighs> Occasionally, the site selection process doesn't run smoothly, and it results in a split gathering that happened in 93. So there was, like, two different gatherings. Um, or, like, low attendance due to dispute over the legitimacy of a site that happened in 2015. Um, or, you know, we have a whole ass pandemic. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's been increasing reports in the past few years of drifters and vagrants who attach themselves to gatherings um where they engage in hard drug use sexual assault theft violence occur at those um i will say that like any major huge gathering you have you're going to have instances of drug use sexual assault theft and violence unfortunately yeah um in 2014 um heber h-e-b-e-r-e city utah police arrested um Leilani Novak Garcia, known as Hitler, oh. who repeatedly stabbed a man at the annual gathering after he tried to stop her car horn. So the guy, like, was like, hey, can you please stop at the car horn? And Leilani got pissed and stabbed the shit out of him. Oh. Um, and so Novak Garcia pleaded no contest to the charges and served 30 days in jail. <laughs> um, man. Jose Antonio Ramos, who was identified in 1985 and again in 2004 as the primary suspect in the disappearance of Eitan Pats, um, attended and was removed from the Rainbow Gathering twice in the 1980s and was convicted of molesting an eight-year-old boy at a gathering in Pennsylvania. Um, Rainbow <laughs> elder Barry Adams help to identify and convict Ramos. So there was at least accountable accountability within. Um, and Ramos served a 20 year prison sentence, uh, in oh. Dallas, Pennsylvania for those charges. Um, and he was released from prison in November of 2012. Um, <laughs> but soon after his release, he was arrested on Megan's law violations. Oh, um, there's a huge cost to local and federal governments um, when a rainbow gathering happens. For example, 2013 gathering um, in Beaverhead <laughs> County, Ew. Montana. Um, they experienced uncollectible patient charges for emergency room care and additional costs incurred at the county's hospital, um, which totaled an estimated $175,000. Um, costs to federal government um, at $573,000, according to Tim Walther, assistant special agent in charge of law enforcement for the Forest Service. Um, there's a total of usually 850 incident reports, written warnings, citations recorded during the event. Um, out of those 
different reports for 405 oh my god i burped and talked <laughs> leave that one yeah we actually caught that it that was great um of those 405 incident reports were written up for rainbow <laughs> people not following the operational plan agreed upon by the rainbows and the forest service um relations between law enforcement and the rainbow gathering you can obviously guess that probably not the greatest i'm not really going to go into all that strained at least yeah it's strained to say the least um so there are guidelines um when it comes to alcohol consumption and drug consumption at these gatherings do people follow them fuck no you know they don't no um the biggest problem i have with it i mean beyond <laughs> beyond all the you know destroying the public lands and all that happens yeah um there <laughs> it's probably the cultural misappropriation and the um like shitty appropriation by the rainbow gathering that really pisses me off um there's been a long-standing rumor amongst those at the rainbow gatherings um, that the gathering is recognized by the elders of the Hopi people as the fulfillment of an ancient Hopi prophecy. Um, I'm going to call bullshit. <laughs> um, they sometimes refer to it as the legend of the Rainbow Warriors. That's been debunked as folklore. Um, you know, just not good. Um, when yeah. it comes to cultural misappropriation... Um, in 2015, a group of Native American academics and writers issued a statement against the Rainbow family members who are appropriating and practicing faux Native ceremonies and beliefs. Um, and they believe that those actions, although Rainbows may not realize it, they dehumanize um, the indigenous nations um, because they imply that their culture and humanity, like their land, is anyone's for the taking. End quote. Um, and totally get it, because it is. It's a total exploitation misappropriation whatever you want to name mm -hmm. it so um besides the death of vicky and nancy um there's been a few other deaths in 2011 a woman named marie hansen uh went missing in the skookum meadow in washington state while attending the 2011 rainbow gathering um local sheriff's apparently refused initially to use tracking dogs to try to find her because um, they weren't certain that a crime had taken place um, after several pleas they did um, are all the missing people women or all the murdered people women yeah um, but they <laughs> probably but they didn't find anything right away but then in October of 2011 human remains and jewelry found um, near her campsite um, and it was confirmed to be Marie Hansen um, in 2011. Um, three unrelated fatalities occurred at rainbow gatherings, including two deaths at the 2011 Washington State National Rainbow Gathering. Those deaths were those of Amber Keller, um, 28, who died of a pre-existing medical condition. So it wasn't, you know, a murder or anything like that. Um, and nefarious. Steve Pierce, a 50-year-old Californian who died of a heart attack. Um, oh, a guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. In February 2011, a man drowned in the Farles Prairie Pond during a regional rainbow gathering in Florida. In 2015, had a regional gathering. Um, 
Just being around Florida yeah. water well, in Florida. This is, in 2015, at a regional gathering in Florida, a 24-year-old Rainbow member um, named Wesley Dice Jones was shot and paralyzed by oh. Clark Myers, 39, of Mill Milch Milledgeville, Georgia. Um, <laughs> was shot by an alligator. Yeah. Uh, another member, Jacob Caldwell, Cardwell, known as Smiley, threw himself over dice and was himself shot and killed. Um, wow. Other family wow. members then beat and stabbed Mayers, who spent two weeks in the hospital before getting put in jail, um, where he was, of course, charged with the first degree murder. Um, in July of 2018, Joseph Brian Capstraw, 20, was arrested in Elizabethtown, Kentucky, after confessing to the murder of a woman. He met at a rainbow gathering in Lumpkin County, Georgia, the week before. Uh, the woman was identified as 18-year-old Amber Robinson of Florida, who hitchhiked with Capstraw after leaving the gathering and was beaten to death by him after an altercation. Um, February 2021, Larry Frank Duggar was attending the rainbow gathering in Ocala National Forest and was shot and killed by an unknown assailant. So that's the deaths that have kind of taken place. And that's, I guess, since this is a insanity story, where we're going to kind of leave it off because Lord knows I have <laughs> fucking talked long enough at this point. But <laughs> no. family, that's all I could think of the entire time was Vin Diesel family. But yeah, so me familiar. That is the story of the Rainbow <laughs> killing each other and the Rainbow Gathering and the Rainbow Murders. So hopefully, well, that y'all haven't fallen asleep by this point, guys. <laughs> Well, you know, like I said, we're just a nice, easy third gear, just cruising along. Yeah. Not the one that, I guess we're more like a fifth gear. Yeah. And just cruising along. And if anybody, you know, hops off, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Hop back on anytime you want to. But, uh, but no, I, I, you know, it's one of those, like I said, and, and I don't know how much what I said earlier is going to be kept in. So I'll just repeat it that. Yeah. I do remember that back in 2012, when they were um, coming here yeah. to the Nantahala National Forest, he, hearing from some people about like what they were, where they were going to be, where they, where I don't know, I don't, I'll have to look into where they actually wound up mm-hmm. meeting, because um, Nantahala National Forest is pretty big. Yeah, um, it's you know like we've talked about before, where Bryson City is is Swain County, and Swain County is 85% federally owned, either national forest land or federal. Um, in the national park yeah um, if you hear sh- shuffling around it's me getting up to sit on the couch because my ass hurts <laughs> that's fine so that's fine no um but i remember that being a case and that being a, a big issue in 2012 whenever it was just kind of like hey this is happening because like you said it was like a short notice kind of thing i yeah. think yeah and um and so yeah so that was happening and ah uh, gosh I'd have to go back and look. When did they start again? When did it initially start? Nin- the 70s. 1970 something? was the first one. Yeah. Because yeah. I, was, I was thinking, I was trying to think about where the one was in 1998. I, th- yeah. There's a whole list because I was trying to think of like that wound up being somewhere along the Appalachian Trail or yeah. something. Um, um, but yeah, it makes more sense now why this vagrant guy asked me where the gathering is. Yeah. Because um, I was like, I think it's kind of <laughs> planned, right? But no, I guess not. Just kidding. Um, and I will say, like, in 2005, when they were coming back to meet... Th- oh, a really <laughs> fun fact that I left out, I totally forgot to put in, is... So, prior to the gathering that was held in 1980 up in Webster County, like, the year before, when, you know, 
the state of West Virginia got wind that they were probably coming here to do it mm-hmm. um, six months beforehand. Then Secretary of State Joe Manchin tried to file a lawsuit against the Rainbow Gathering so that they couldn't oh. come. Um, but it was dropped in court. Like, nothing happened to it. So our our former Secretary of State, now U.S. Senator Joe Manchin, tried to keep them from coming in 80. Um, in 2005, when they were, when it we got, when, well, I say we, when people of this area, and I, I include, like, Pocahontas, Randolph, Greenboro, like all those surrounding counties, when they got wind that they were coming back to do a gathering in Pocahontas County, I can remember there being like lots of hubbub and like, oh, well, we don't want this again because of what had happened in 1980. Um, I will say that whenever they did come through and do their thing in 2005, it went off without a hitch. There were no major incidents. Uh, The biggest thing was they did, they were, stop it, cat. My cat's hitting the mic cord. Um, they did leave, like, lots of trash, and, like, they made a giant mess. Um, so, like, yeah. U.S. Forest Service here in West Virginia has made it clear, you all cannot come back anytime soon, and don't even think about it because of that. And so that's been almost 20 years ago at this point. But it they, like I said, it went fine when they were here. There were no incidences, really. They just, they left a giant mess. And it was, I can remember that making, like, the local papers after they left is, like, how bad it was, messy was. So, wow. So I, I just kind of did a quick search real here, and ah, uh, okay. So it was uh, the the twenty. So there was a regional meeting in Nantahala mm-hmm. in some year, like twenty fifteen. Uh-huh. But the twenty twelve gathering was in the Cherokee National Forest, which oh. is just on the other side, yeah. um, on on the Tennessee side. Yeah. Um, up in the northeast corner of Tennessee as opposed to in the southeast corner or southwest corner of North Carolina. So, yeah. I don't know. I had to find a whole list of everything. But, yeah. So, in conclusion, Rainbow Gathering. Great that they have a thought process of love, light, and unity. Bad that they are very messy people and are guilty of cultural appropriation yeah yeah you know uh, you know i mean in in the what's about to be my 25th anniversary of hiking the appalachian trail this year oh um will be my 25th anniversary of attending my first trail days Mm -hmm. because i'm going to go back this year I'm not doing anything. I'm going as an attendee. Mm-hmm. Um, no job this time around. Good just going job. and uh, just just going. In that 25 years, I've watched the culture of the Appalachian Trail change. Mm-hmm. Um, just like I'm sure the 25 and 100 years before that or whatever, you know, the 50 years before that. Um People, but but anyway, it's like so. I can only imagine, like, yeah. There, I mean, there, there's a hierarchy begins whenever you know. How many have you been to? Yeah, that's where it starts. Yeah, and uh, well, I've been going here since blah blah blah. You know, meaning in other words, my parents fucked after your before your parents did. Yeah, um, that's all it boils down to most yeah. of the time. And then it's just like ah, uh, and then it just gets creepy, and it become sex of people that kind of break out yeah. and 
Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I can I I can imagine that in something like a Rainbow Gathering or 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 any of that. We have actually here in in, in south of Asheville, we have one of the largest. Um, I don't know what it, it how it's associated, but it's somehow associated with Burning Man. Uh-huh. Um, and it's it, it it for a long time was considered the Burning Man of the East Coast, um, in the mountains of 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 North Carolina. Um. I can't. I think I remember the name of it, but I'm not going to say it out loud. Mm-hmm. But um, it's one of those where it's like it started with like 25 people, and now it's a business. Yeah. Um, you know, now it's like you know thousands of people go, and I, I was actually uh, someone actually bought a ticket with me in mind, thinking I would want to go, and it was like, oh, you, you haven't talked to me in a few years. <laughs> you do not know me well at all. <laughs> you. You do not know that I do not like crowds, especially yeah. crowds full of people that are on drugs. I've never done. Yeah. Um, and never will. Uh, so, yeah. So it, it's just like, no. And, 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 and they, they, they gave me the hardest time. Mm-hmm. They gave me the hardest time. And finally, somebody else took it. And sure enough, at the end of it, they were like, yeah, you would have hated yeah, that. Hated <laughs> yeah. And I was like, thank you for understanding in the end. But yeah, that, that, those things don't, don't, don't interest me. That it's makes like, um, Oh, no, you go ahead. No. Sorry. No, I, all I was going to say is like it, it's becoming such a mainstream thing now, those types of summer festivals that mm-hmm. um, uh, I listen to Spotify and I'm just like LeBron James. I refuse to pay for premium channels. <laughs> um, I just recently learned that, that he's like, no, I, I, he's like, I still have Pandora with the commercials. <laughs> and uh, he's like, I don't pay for that stuff. And, um, but yeah, so I, you know, I saw Spotify with the commercials and one of the commercials that's on now is advertising for summer festival season coming up and the types of makeup and SPF this and SPF that. And it's, you know, like, I don't know, Olivia Rodrigo, somebody famous that I don't know who the hell they are, but they're like, you know, season's coming up, and there's nothing like dancing in the desert all all day long. Oh, God. But nothing like dancing in the desert in the sun to dry out your lips. You know, and you're like, oh, God. And so, yeah, so, like, even festival culture is a commercial now. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, what I was going to say is, like, not festival or festival culture, but I totally forgot to mention. So, we're talking about, like, the shitty thing that's up in Pocahontas County, a.k.a. the neo-Nazis, a.k.a. the National Alliance. But... Have I ever told you what else is located in Pocahontas County? I know there's a big telescope. Well, besides the big telescope, which, by the way, that no, no, I, I know it's known for its beauty uh. and its uh, <laughs> hunting and its. Shut up. <laughs> no, do you remember hearing about a little somebody called uh, Patch Adams? Yeah. And there was a movie that starred yeah, yeah, one yeah. Robin Williams called mm-hmm. Patch Adams. Mm-hmm. So Patch Adams has the Gesundheit Institute in Pocahontas County. Oh. Yeah, his little center for healing and blah, blah, blah. What I don't know, whatever else. Like, I'm a little hippy-dippy. We know this. Uh-huh. We've established this. Um, but that's beyond my scope of hippy-dippy, Patch Adams and his people. Um, <laughs> and I only bring him up when we talk about, like, the festival stuff and yada, yada, because it's kind of... I'm going to say something controversial yet brave. Um, if you're a Trixie Mattel fan, you'll get that reference. Um, but Patch Adams has really commercialized the Gesundheit Institute and what he quote unquote does anymore. Um, it's a lot of 
promising that he's going to do this and help with this and work on healing with laughter and this and that. But he wants your money a lot, too. And you don't really get any benefits in return with it, if you ask me. Kind of like a lot of those uh, uh, public speakers. Yes. And I will say that... She should go around. While he's not problematic within Pocahontas County, he's not really favored in Pocahontas County. And that comes from several several friends I have that live up there. So... But and it's funny. I was going to ask you if he was even still alive. Oh yeah, and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, uh, I mean, he spends part of his time up there. It's usually like during the summer months, but that's when he's not going on one of his trips, mission trips, or whatever, to like mm-hmm. Costa Rica or something, or along the. I don't know. I just. I think he's he's one of those ones that start out with good intentions and great. I love the idea of like healing, with you know. M- laughter and so on and so but it's like it's a money grab anymore it's all it is so i here i was thinking you were gonna it somehow pull this fucking stick back from the ground crashing into the ground and you brought patch adams down i'm sorry i know i God, i've met the it, dude thought, i've met the dude I, hey that's fine when i was like 18 and at the bowling alley like he brought his group down and they were dressed up as clowns and bullying so it didn't bode well with me as someone who's afraid of fucking clowns so yeah. <laughs> but he's a, well I, he's a really I, nice guy and he's really interesting to talk to he truly is it's it's really interesting to talk to him and sit and have a conversation. I spoke with him for like a good 30, 45 minutes when I met him. Um, so he is. I've never seen the movie. You're not missing much. <laughs> I love I Robin Williams with all my heart. God rest his soul. But yeah, it's he at that point in time he was on a roll. I had to go back and look to do and like see more what serious uh, movies and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he was doing so. You know, like um, I, I was I, I was I was actually trying to pull the name of it. Um, whenever you were saying like, you know, you know, Robbie Williams. And I was going to say of, and what's that one where he was uh, of insomnia. Do you remember that? Is it, what did you see that movie? Come? No insomnia. Oh, oh no. Ins- ins- insomnia was, uh, I think it was Pacino and Robin Williams. Oh, I've never even heard of it. And Pacino goes to has like he's a cop or something uh-huh. like that, and I believe he has to go to Alaska to solve a murder. Oh, okay. And because of the crazy way that the sun is all the time, he can never sleep, and he's never getting caught up on his sleep, and then oh. he's just like going days without sleeping. <clears throat> yeah. And um, he believes that Robin Williams is the person who uh, murdered someone. Uh-huh. And he can't prove it, and then he's seeing things, he's hallucinating. Anyway. <laughs> it's it's interesting, but it wasn't uh, one that I rewatched after the first time I saw it. But I was trying to think of like like a really down like you're like uh, in Rob Williams after talking about Patch Adams. I was like of Insomnia, <laughs> or but I couldn't think of the movie until uh, I was talking. Okay. It's like ah, uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I bring I bring Pocahontas County down again by dissing on Patch Adams. Sorry, well, yeah, but the know, area itself most... is gorgeous, and I think you should absolutely go visit it. God, I cannot stress enough like how beautiful it is up there. Um, oh, the Highland Scenic Highway—that's another gorgeous uh, spot up there. That like I forgot to mention earlier, um, but Cranberry Glades does will always have my heart. My mom took us there when we were little all the time for our little picnics and stuff, and I absolutely love that place too. So um, go visit Pocahontas County. Yes, this is an unfortunate situation that it happened up there, but. Please don't think ill towards the people of Pocahontas County because of this. So, 
Yes. So there, I'm um, ending it up on a, on a high note. <laughs> yes. Yes. Go go visit the people. Focus hunters aren't that bad. Join the Rainbow Coalition. No, what? <laughs> Wait, that's something different. Wait, that's something different. Yeah, that is. <laughs> Um, let's see. Um, yeah, yeah. We, we gave you the list of several clubs that you can look into. Yeah, there we go. Um, if nothing else, we're, we're, we're a podcast about clubs. Clubs, yes. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Lordy. I just looked at the time and also realized what else I've got to do before I go to bed tonight. Oh, hot damn. So, um, oh, Lord. Um, well, cool. Well, um, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at HeyThatNikki, N-I-K-K-I. Um, and that's all you get it from me. Uh, sir, where can they find you on the interwebs? At Pox Holiday on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, if I ever do that again. All the damn things. Um, <laughs> I think I just have I think I just have it just so I can look at other things. Um ba 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 It's like steal memes. Um, let's see, I have another podcast called the Pox and Puss Podcast. Um we're in talks. And let's see. Um, yes, um, we're in talks. Um, but again, like always, your favorite deadbeat dad <laughs> makes promises and never comes through. Um, comes through eventually, but not when you're expecting it. Yeah. Be like, what, like Tuesday at 9 p.m., that's when you release a podcast box? Good idea. Yeah. Um, you've had all year. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, the Pox Post podcast. Um, then I think you could probably still find some of my uh, ones that were on Spotify for a little while there, where I did music stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I still want to do those every once in a while, but I have so many other things going on. Um, I think that's about it for right now. Yeah. And you can find can us bo- um, at oh, oh yeah at in the Pines Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, Download us through Anchor FM or your favorite podcasting platform. And one thing we want to get out there, um, rate, yeah. rate, review, and subscribe to us, please. Um, because If you're going to give us five stars. If, yeah, only if you're going to give us five stars. If you're going to give us one star, you can fuck right off the cliff. But <laughs> yeah, there's, there's just no point. There's no point, there's no point review, doing that. Give us a good review. Give us a, a good rating. We might even take a four-star rating, right? Yeah, yeah at this point, But no yeah. one stars. They, those can piss yeah. off. So. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that's about it. So, All right. how do we wrap up this sucker? Uh, let's see. I started it last time, so you started this time. Okay. Some people go into the woods of the Monongahela National Forest to make memories. Some go into the woods of the Monongahela Forest <laughs> to never be seen again, to 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 disappear, <laughs> to be forgotten, to be forgotten. <laughs> That's it. That's what you're getting from me, folks. I'm done. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening. Bye. We thought they was groundhog. 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 We thought they was groundhog.